Hello there, Comic Clan, and welcome to Comics and the Cross, the greatest streamers that you have never heard of. And we have 500 followers! We did it! We did it. As coming up with that host, thank you so much. We had 500 followers yesterday. I should have taken my headphones off. I warned you I was going to yell that. It's your own fault. Deal with it. We have 500 followers. We are at 501 followers right now. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported us up to this point. Everyone who's helped us get there, including Mr. Locksteady, who's below us right now as a jigsaw piece. Because of course he is. Yes. Of course. So of course, as we were talking about for the 500th follow, we are doing a giveaway for our 500th follower. He is getting an official piece of Comics and the Cross merch. So that's to Mainers999, who is nice. the man who officially got our 500th follow. So he's getting an official piece of merchandise. And then, of course, to the rest of you in the Comic Clan, at the very end of the show today, we are going to be opening up a massive giveaway um, and gifting someone here a game off of Steam up to the max of $30. Yep. Um, sorry, we're not going to give away brand new games. We do not have 60 bucks to give you a game. If I had 60 bucks, I would be giving a game to myself that's brand new. <laughs> exactly. Not going to lie. Um, yeah. But we are going to give away a game on Steam up to a maximum of $30 of your choosing. So we are going to do that giveaway and then we'll get in touch with you afterwards to set that up. But you all planned to be twins today. We did not lock. We did we not did plan us at all. Which I love. I was that we're... Just so hype. I was so hype about the Infinity Bros shirt. I was like, I gotta wear it today. I just and grabbed then... this one. Like, that's the first one. I'm like, okay, I'll do Infinity <laughs> Bros today. I did not think we were going to be. I love the fact that we're celebrating our 500 followers, and none of us are wearing comics in the cross. We're both now apparently part of the Infinity Bros. So <laughs> once they come in, I'll give them a shout out. Absolutely. Um, but thank you. Honestly, thank you, Comic Clan. Thank you to every one of you who have hit that follow button. Every one of you who show up to listen to others ramble on every single week about comics, about movies, about TV shows. You are all amazing. You have helped us get love to you. this point. Thank you so much. We love you. Like, I can't believe it. Five hundred followers. That's for two like dudes just that love comic books, just talking about comics is like it's yeah. insane. Yeah, I agree. I can't believe y'all show up. Why are y'all here? Yeah. Why are you here? Y'all show up. Y'all keep coming and y'all keep listening, and we <laughs> appreciate it so much. Um, so I'm wearing my bad to the bone Skeletor shirt again. I didn't realize. Why are you here? Okay, y'all got a bit of a close up there. I've got him like full screen on my other monitor, so like that was terrifying. On <laughs> just came right up at me. If you like... hadn't noticed, I have green eyes. Beautiful. Okay, going to solo camera. We're gonna <laughs> uh, relevance until I saw you guys matching. Like, I'm so 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 happy and proud of you guys. You rock. Oh, Thank man. you so much, Locke. I absolutely Thanks, appreciate that. Appreciate uh, it, bro. Lock, one of our longtime supporters and good friends here on the channel. Thank you so much for that, honestly. But yeah, so we of course are coming in to celebrate our 500 followers, talking about the Suicide Squad. We are going to be talking full spoilers on James Gunn's Suicide Squad that dropped on and HBO Max and in theaters. And three, two, one. I'm just joking. I'm not going to drop a spoiler, but you know we're going to do that at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's going to be full spoilers. There's so much stuff to talk here that's full spoilers. Drink coffee. Do it. I love the mug, dude. I know you've showed it off before, but I love it. Side note: My giant No Coke mug. Zero, no no Coke Zero sponsorship yet. Um, this is the fourth week we're trying to. Whoa! Do it. Has been promoted Good grief, Lock. Excelsior! Lock coming in. 
So we've got Arceus Turner saying, I'm wearing a Team Smoke You shirt from Retro Rewind Podcast. And then Locke coming in, dropping five tier yep, one subs. Skeet's gifted subs. So Scaredy Matt, Nightwolf, Sir Brosive, Dark Tickle, and Real Arceus Stunner. Welcome to the Stan Clan. Thank you so much for that, Locke. You're an absolute legend, sir. Thank you so much for dropping those and helping us celebrate, man. You're awesome. I need to get one of those Stan superhero things. Been promoted yeah, one of the Stan clan pops. Yeah. Spoiler, Harley Quinn is in the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> is that a spoiler if I say she doesn't die in this movie? Did anybody think Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn was going yeah, to die? Yeah, did anybody literally think that she would die? A member of she the is the only person in the DCEU currently making consecutive money for them, so there's no way in the world she was getting killed off. Just she is DCEU's bread and butter. No. Yeah, there was no way that was happening. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk a little Skeet's bit news as well before we get into that. Sorry, I'm waiting on <laughs> waiting all these pop-ups to stop. <laughs> I think that's the last one. But thank you go. so much for those gifted subs, Locke. You are amazing. You're an absolute You're legend, sir. One more shout-out for the legend. Yeah, so we are going to be talking a little bit of news today. We are going to be talking spoilers on the Suicide Squad. And then we're going to be talking a little bit what's coming up the next couple of weeks because we've got some exciting stuff happening in the next few weeks, which I I cannot wait for, and that we'll be delving into, including some special guests coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. So first of all, let's, should we go ahead and should we jump into some news Let's do some news. Week? Yeah, let's do some news. All right, so let me, okay, so I'll save that main bit of news that we were talking about for kind of the end, because that's probably going to be our big talking point. Um, so DCEU meets MCU where Harley meets Deadpool. Yeah, they're kind of in the same. Yeah, that's like the big. Fa- that's like the big fan casting relationship. Yeah, it? it's like that. The two of them being together because they're both nuts. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to save the main bit of news from, which is of course all the midnight talk that's been taking place. We're going to save that for the moment because, of course, we are. That's like the big point, and that's what we're going to get into a little Huge. bit. Huge. Um, so we've got a few big announcements most of them just to kind of get our thoughts on different stuff that's taking place and so there's a couple from last week i wanted to just hit on briefly Uh, first of all we got the announcement of the cast for the upcoming live action avatar show yes we did they're my opinion they're spot on visually yeah so we got uh gordon cormier is cast as ang Kewentio tarbell as katara i apologize if i'm mispronouncing any of these by the way i probably am Ian Osley as Sokka. How dare you. And Dallas Lou as Zuko. Um, and if you look at the actual people that they cast in these roles, they look spot on. Like they yeah, look I agree. like their characters. Like I can fully see these people. Especially playing. Aang. I, f- I feel like Aang's like. Yeah, the kind like, of playing. They Aang. nailed Aang, I think. It's so weird. Somebody, I saw somebody like posting like an edit of like the face that was, if as it was posted, like an edited mm-hmm. it to look like Aang. They kind of yeah. show what you might look like. Mm-hmm. But like they shaved his head, but his eyebrows are still as thick as they are in the picture. Yeah, and it makes it look really weird. It makes it look like it's a freaking <laughs> like it's this little guy, like an actual man's face on Ang, and it looks really weird and creepy. Hey, that's hilarious. And I like okay, they're gonna have to yeah. trim the eyebrows, is what you're saying? A little eyebrow trimmage. Apparently, yeah, from the looks of it, because I'm like that's that's the point to focus on it. Like it looks like a man's face just with a bald head, and I'm like, and it's meant to be Ang, so it's got the arrows and stuff. I'm like, that's just weird. It doesn't look right. <laughs> that's hilarious. But I think this. I think the casting for this is spot on. I think I, somebody. I, I I posted in our Discord because I was I had some questions about like what it was from, 
And I remember that Netflix was doing the, the show and that the original creators were tied on at one point, but then there was like creative differences. So they, they, they bounced basically. Yeah. So they went back to Nickelodeon and are doing like the Avatar Studios and all the new stuff over there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out, like compared to the, the original cartoon. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, this is the first big news that we've gotten on this, but it's definitely given me hope. And that the show could be something worthwhile. I mean, I'm definitely going to yeah. be checking it out. I've, I'm concerned that the main creators aren't involved anymore than they were, yeah. and what Same. sort of artistic differences there are. But I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to be checking it out, and the casting yeah. is definitely a good sign. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so the next one was an exciting bit of casting as well on DC's part for me was uh, Zolo Maraduena. If I'm saying that right, I, again, uh, apologies for that. Oh, something jumping in. One of our mods grabbed that for us. Thank you. Um, he has been cast as Jaime Reyes, the Blue Beetle, um, and the upcoming. I HBO know you're all Max. about that, dude. Um, I'm a huge Blue Beetle fan. If anyone doesn't know, I love Blue Beetle. I think Jaime Reyes, honestly, should be DC's Spider-Man if they actually did him correctly and they actually worked him correctly. That was um, one of our first. Um Square goes. Remember? Yeah, it was Miles, it was Miles Morales, Morales against Jaime yeah. Reyes. Yeah, I remember yeah. that man. Yeah, thanks for that, Coop. I appreciate it, brother. Uh, yeah, finally, if live action last Airbender RKO, it's the like first one we've ever had. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. First one we've ever had. It's long overdue, you know. <laughs> Dude, it was funny. Like, speaking of uh, The Last Avatar, um, the dude who Comics Explained, the guy who has the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. so he's on Twitter and he was asking everybody if he should watch Korra. And the general consensus was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good show. It's not as good as the last Avatar. It's worth checking. Opinion. It's worth checking out. There's a lot of good stuff to it. There's a lot of great characters, but yes, it's not. Did Avatar. I just call it, I just called it the last Avatar. I meant Avatar: The Last Airbender. I was, gonna, I, I was I was just gonna let it go, but yeah, I appreciate it. So I knew somebody would would correct me. So yeah, yeah, I seen that. It's like massive shout out as well to Nitro's art piece um, that he did for Coop and um, of Coop Trio podcast. Um, he did an amazing piece on Ang and Zuko that is you can see on uh, over at Coop Trio Podcast Twitter because they posted it hanging up on their wall. Beautiful piece, and it was liked by the voice actress that plays Korra in The Legend of Korra. So I saw that somebody had liked it, and I wasn't I didn't know who it was. So I went to their I went to their page, and they had like forty seven thousand followers. And then I read their profile, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm the voice of Korra," and I was like, "Holy word!" <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's like that's. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty. Yeah, that awesome. was pretty cool, man. Probably the highlight of my my artistic endeavors. Yeah, uh, I gotta say that's ever. definitely got to be a high point. I'm sure. I've no doubt, man. And yeah, live action DBZ would be sweet. RKO. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I hope it's done, man. I know. I can't believe it hasn't happened. Well, they tried. You know, they, they tried at one at one time. No, they didn't. Uh, did they though they didn't try did they? there's no way you can say they tried that's <laughs> not <laughs> um, but yeah so we've got a live action Blue Beetle coming up um, I am all for the casting of Jaime Reyes yeah. I think the kid is amazing he's awesome in um, Cobra Kai uh, so I'm excited to see him joining the DCEU as well um, yeah, another shocking bit of casting that came out this week there is an upcoming movie for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 who's been officially in production mm. for a while now. And they announced the voice of, I will say this right now, my favourite Sonic character. I absolutely adore Knuckles. He is my yes. favourite character in Sonic. Agreed. 
and they announced the voice actor is going to be Idris Elba. Very incredibly intriguing choice. <coughs> I need to see it on screen to see it working. I am like I I love Knuckles. I adore Idris Elba. He's a phenomenal actor. You will hear how much I love this guy during today's yeah. talk. Yeah. I like I just can't imagine his big gruff deep voice coming out of Knuckles no. the Echidna. I just I don't no, I, I, Again, I post I was posting this in our Discord. Like I I've always pictured Knuckles as like this surly teenager-ish type character. Not this grizzled, like forty-something-year-old, like no, mercenary. You know, it's like I've always or, pictured like the Sonic characters, like in high school, like yeah, like Sonic's the popular kid, the annoying, over energetic, popular, sporty mm-hmm. kid, and Knuckles is always like the gruff outsider guy that would be wearing yeah. like the leather jacket, standing yes. against the wall, yeah. like glaring at everybody exactly. with the chain, with the chain wallet. You yeah, have the chain yeah. Wallet. Like that's that's how I've always pictured it. So I'm like Idris Elba's voice. I'm like. I don't know how I feel about them. Is it going yeah, to be a Jack Knuckles? Gonna... Absolutely, <laughs> Nightwolf. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I wonder how he's going to look. I'm interested, man, because that was definitely one of my favorite Sega games back in the day. Yeah, like, I I adored Knuckles in it. Like, he was my favorite character. I don't know why I just really connected with him. I loved getting to play as him in Sonic and Knuckles. You know I... they're going to have Tails in the movie. They have to. Oh, well, they've already shown Tails. Tails was in the end credits. Oh, yeah, scene, they the have. One. That's right. That's so right. he's, he's That's definitely going to be in it, but now Knuckles is... There was talks that Knuckles was going to be in it, and now we've officially got the voice casting, and I don't know how I feel about it. I need to see it on screen, to be completely honest, and I'm like, I just, yeah. I, I can't see it. Like, but at the same time, like, I anything that gets Idris Elba more work, I'm all for. Yeah, the guy's dude, amazing. I, the guy needs all the roles. Just waiting for him to be named the next Bond. I mean, he needs to be James Bond. Like, he any needs to now. be James Bond. Like, I agreed. I agreed. I'm like, there's. It's been talks for that long about that now. Like, I can't Cheat see it. Update. Whoa, Sealer Centurion coming in with a gifted sub. You are a beast. Killer Kayashi, thank you so much. Thank you Thanks, so much, bro. Kayashi. Now part of the Stan Clan. Thank you so much, Seal. Absolute legend. Go and check out Seal at his channel as well. They're absolutely amazing. Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciated. And. So we actually have as well some actual comic book news that kind of came out this week. A couple of big drops. It's all in the DC side of stuff today, so it kind of fits that we're talking like <laughs> Suicide Squad. Um, so two massive kind of talking points that came out this week. Um, first one was a new series coming out from my absolute favorite comic Dude. book writer, Tom Taylor, Dude. Dark Knights of Steel. Dude, that looks so awesome, just based off the cover alone. Which is like, uh, go air... I think I posted it in our Discord, and um, I'll see if post it on our social media as well. But like, it's basically looking at kind of like medieval knight sort of fantasy era for the DC universe. Um, Tom King has done amazing stuff. He is doing amazing stuff in DC right now. His Nightwing run is like has been considered by many as possibly, if it keeps on track, is the best Nightwing run there's been so far. Um, he's got highly praised for his runs on Injustice and his um, deceased runs. So he's really good at these sort of Elseworld DC universes and building them up. Mm. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Tom Taylor can do no wrong. Dude, I... So, so personally, uh, if, if you don't know this about me, I'm a sucker for, like, an Arthurian tale-based story of any type. Any shape, form, or type. So this is really cool. Uh, I love, like, medieval-type stuff. And just based off the art alone, I am in. I am in, like, four flats. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, it's like he's. I, I'm all for it. Like I'm a massive Tom Taylor fan. It's like if you ask me for comic book recommendations, two of the first ones I would recommend to you is the Injustice comic series, which in itself shouldn't be as good as it is. It's based on a, you know, it's a prequel to a fighting game that was created. That's basically like a Mortal Kombat for DC. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> it's got no right to be as good as it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then DC, like their take on a zombie like universe is like, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so this is one definitely to keep an eye out for. Yeah, it looks great, man. Um, and then of course DC at the beginning of the week decided to break the internet, or at least for their fandom, by basically announcing that or making it canon in last Tuesday's releases that the third Robin, Tim Drake, um, going by also Drake and Red Robin and many other variants, uh, one of my favorite characters is actually now canonically bisexual. I saw that. They actually made it canon. Um, a lot of fans have thought about this for a while, have considered that he might be bisexual. It was never confirmed. The dudes mm-hmm. had a number of girlfriends throughout the comics, so it was always kind of heavily hinted he was more into women. But yeah. in a uh, expanded universe tale run about Gotham, I uh, can't remember what it was, like Batman Untold Tales or something like that. It was mm-hmm. expanded stories and... Tim Drake literally goes and asks um, a friend of his out on a date, and they specifically mm-hmm. say going out on a date. Yeah. Not hang out, not spend time together, it's specifically a date. So it officially canonically made it that he likes guys as well. And yeah. the DC fandom went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they went absolutely crazy on this because a lot of fans have thought this for a while that he might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just with stuff around about comics at the time, they just never announced it. So. He's canonically bisexual now, so it was an interesting take. Um, there's a lot of people that are super excited for this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are, of course, not happy at it because there is always on both sides of it. Yeah, I'm like, just keep writing good Tim Drake stories. Yeah, is he still a good character? Like, I mean, you know, just go, with, just go with his. Character. Yeah, just keep, just keep writing good stories, and I'm like, because like technically it's an old story as well. So technically, like he's single in the comics as far as I'm aware. Hey, Redbeard, welcome on in. Good to see you. Um, but yeah, it's like, so that's an interesting thing, and it's just an interesting talking point to see that comics are definitely changing now. Mm-hmm. Comics are definitely changing along the way of inclusion and trying to include characters. There was a whole thing, like, previously with the whole comics gate stuff and that about um, a lot of characters starting to come out is like be replaced by people of colour, being replaced male characters being replaced by women, it created the whole comic gate thing. Round about the time that like Sam Wilson took over as Captain America and Jane Foster became Thor and all that stuff happened and mm. Ironheart instead of Iron Man when he was out of commission for a while. Yeah. Um all that sort of stuff. So it was like for a long time that that was kind of a back and forth and People were excited to be, for inclusion of these characters. People were like, we'll just create new characters. and. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can't stop the forward movement. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's saying, haven't comics always changed? They evolve with times and values when they're probably... Absolutely. Comics yep. have always changed, and comics have always... like. If you want a good example of comics changing, look at what the representation of a series like the X-Men has meant. It's always meant people who are excluded and downtrodden and looked down on and um, within society but depending on what generation you're in who that is that's being downtrodden by society changes 
Yeah. Um, and but they can still relate to it, and they've always been political. They've always looked at political issues. Stan Lee, even in the early days, was always based his characters on stuff. I mean, heck, he even says that in his own documentary, mm-hmm. like the creation of Iron Man was based on war at the time. You know. Well, and I, and they, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe uh, Magneto and Xavier were basically based <laughs> on Martin Luther King and and uh, Malcolm X. Yeah, like as, as civil rights leaders. Yeah, they were meant to oh. be like civil rights leaders pushing forward yeah. for changes in society, pushing forward. There's always been talks of like new characters, you know, like, and there's been big pushes for that. Like one of the most successful like um, people of color to be introduced was when Miles Morales was introduced into comics as the new Spider-Man, half um, black, half Hispanic, mm-hmm. um, as the new Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe was so successful he was brought into the main universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and then of course, like, even got to the point of headlining his own movie as part mm-hmm. of Into the Spider Verse. You know, it's but they've always changed and they've always evolved. And there's always been this thing of like, um, like characters of color was always a massive thing of getting changed. But now that it, with the recent stuff of uh, LGBTQIA, I think it is now plus like I've. I I honestly lose track of some of the letters. I'm not going to lie. That's something I definitely need to try and remember them all. Um, but that inclusion has always been a big deal. I remember there was a whole controversy in the New Fifty Two around the Batwoman story because Batwoman was um was gay. She's a lesbian, and she was meant to be getting married to her partner, mm-hmm. and they ended up basically pulling the rug out from under that, and the book ended up actually getting cancelled due to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's there was always talks about that, but at the same time, the big two were always scared of pulling that trigger because they knew there would be backlash, yeah, from like long time well, readers and all that stuff. Because when you make massive changes to characters, there always is. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think you know to play devil's advocate a bit. I can I can get I get why some people could be upset when they've they've had a character that they've liked for a very very long time. And an aspect of them is a big aspect of them has changed. I get yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can understand that. <clears throat> I mean, um, I remember the but, whole controversy of like when they made they brought out Iceman as gay in Marvel, mm-hmm. and it's like it was kind of a lot of people felt like it kind of came out of nowhere because the character has never shown to be gay or even bisexual in any way. He's always been with women. He's always done that, and then not to mention that they also done like the worst coming out story ever. Yeah, where like the it was when the young Jean Grey, like when the the original X Men were brought into the present, mm-hmm. um, to meet their older selves and to deal with all the stuff going on with the X Men at the time, she basically read his mind, and went, "Oh, you're gay." Yeah, and I was like, "Wait, what? No, no, I'm not." And then this whole big thing happened, and I'm like, "So she basically outed him as gay." Yeah, and it's like, okay, that's not the best way to do that story. I don't know yeah. what you were thinking with that, Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I get, yeah, like I said, I, I mean, I, I can understand both sides of the equation, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but... but yeah, I mean, comics have always pushed the boundaries. You know, <laughs> you know talking about Stan Lee, you know, he, he helped, I think, with Jack Kirby introduced Black Panther back in the 60s. Yeah, I mean, and like... For, 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 for a black person to lead a comic run was a big deal <laughs> to lead a comic run and yeah. even then to be introduced in fantastic four like the headline comic at the tip and to hold his own against them like and to be praised even to bring in somebody like when they originally brought in falcon like sam wilson to be a partner to captain america not a sidekick like bucky was but to be an actual partner to him 
mm-hmm. like they pushed those boundaries and that was the big deal at the time like pushing forward like gay rights and you know mm-hmm. stuff wasn't as big a deal back then it was because it was a different era it was the 60s mm-hmm. it wasn't as prominent but this mm-hmm. is the new era and i don't blame people wanting that representation yeah um, and right. kind of like what Locke was saying as well there is like that yeah they tried to introduce new characters and the thing is the new characters were such a misstep in a lot of turn mm-hmm. it's like a lot of the characters like people reject them because they're like oh i want the old character back which leads to a topic I want to talk about in this show at some point, which is like that. Yeah. Should characters evolve and change like that, you know? Yeah, Redbeard makes a good point. Um, like, the sign of a good writer or artist or publisher is that they press forward despite the fan uproar. I mean, you hear a lot of people saying that, in essence, you should pander to, to, the, to the, the largest voice of the group, like the, the voice of the fans. And that's not really necessarily what good writers do. And that's not necessarily where the best stories come from. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and a lot of stuff there is, like, Redbeard's put a, put a bunch of stuff in there. It's all completely on track. It's like that. Yeah, it's like, if you're going to get into comics, don't get into the early stuff necessarily. I think it's good to go back and read the older stuff and get in the history of the character if you're really interested. But if you want to get into the way the characters are now, it's like, you don't need to go back that far because things have changed so much. I mean, definitely go back and read, like, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby stuff, but, taking, but bear in mind they were written in the 60s. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that weird. We're not that far off of pushing that being a century ago. You know what I mean? We're only a couple of decades from that. You know, it's that's it, true. Lot. I I agree. I agree with that. You know, and then stuff as well. Like yeah, comic. And I would agree. Red Beard. Like comic fans are ornery. Comic fans don't know what they want. Something yeah. changes in comics, and they will throw a fit. Like I remember the fit that came up when Captain America was made and undercover Hydra agent. He was mm-hmm. changed recently in the comics, and fans went mental. They didn't just go mental at the changing of the character. They went, this is against like the people that created them. There was Jewish writers that created them, and you've made them a mm-hmm. Nazi and all this. And I'm like, holy crap, there's only so many stories you can tell yeah. since the creation of this character. And I'm like, and at the end of the day as well, like Marvel never keeps stuff as it changes. It always puts the well, toys back in the toy chest when it's done. Yeah, and to be fair, like the the big the big two are gonna try stuff and some some of it's not gonna hit you know and that's okay um despite what the fans may say they may like it or or not i mean they may not like it or whatever and sometimes it doesn't hit sometimes it doesn't land and that's okay and that's like i think i from from in my opinion i think that captain hydra i didn't read the run so i really can't speak to this but just on the surface level, that was just a miss on their end. I don't know. Yeah, I, pers- I, I, I personally love the idea. I thought you're taking the, one of the greatest heroes here in your tournament and one of the biggest villains. Like, there's so many stories you can tell with that. Yeah. And then you can have a story down the line, like in a couple of years, where he gets turned back. Like, but fans mm. went crazy. Fans mm. don't know what they want, and the thing is, like, kind of read saying it as well. Like, you know, the whole reason the new Fifty Two happened was to make a modern take on stuff. Same mm. reason Marvel did the Ultimate Universe. Um, but comics are all comics are constantly changing like there's big shake-ups there's big that's why like it became such an event oriented thing in marvel and dc and events would shake up and change stuff because they try to keep making stuff fresh and make stuff new and make stuff you know it's like it's but like fans don't know what they want like there's some fans that are happy at the big changes or some fans that don't and i'm like let the writers take the characters where they want if you don't like it don't read that run mm-hmm. you know it's like it's people get so angry and so uptight and i know we get into big things in this show and we get into big topics and conversations we get very passionate about fake people that don't exist mm-hmm. you know like, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like that i'm gonna get dang it 
<laughs> you know, I mean, we're going to get very passionate talking about Spider Man, but Peter Parker is not a real person. Well, you know, it's, 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 we had the conversation before the stream started, like the the and uh, talking about movies specifically, but the comics even more so. Like, there's so many different runs of comics and stuff that yeah. there's something for everyone. If you're not a fan of whatever run, because of whatever reason, there's something. There's another run. Uh, probably of that same character that will appeal yeah. to you more. So, do you know Just how many? That one. Do you know how many comic books Marvel and DC put out on a monthly basis? Like, and do you know yeah. how? And take characters, even like the oldest ones, like Batman or Superman or Captain America, that have been out for like close to a hundred years in existence. Do you know how many yeah. runs there are on them, and how many different takes and stories there are? It's like, and you're not going to like every run. It's like you get collectors who are like have to read every single run of every single. Like, you know, I mean, I don't care if I don't like the writing on Batman this time around. I still need to collect every issue because that's what I do. You're more entitled to do that. It's like, but at the same time, like, if you don't like the current run on Batman, that's okay. Don't buy it. Wait yeah. for the next writer to come along. Or wait until you hear something good about it and then go, oh, and then go back and get the get the back issues for it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, like... absolutely red beard. You know how many comics they put out too many. Yeah, <laughs> they honestly yeah, do. Yeah. The 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 people that are saying like, I don't want politics in my comics. Like, don't read. Comics. They're not paying attention. Yeah. Do you know how much politics? <laughs> basically, are... comic. That's what our comics are. There's there's almost like all of them are a social commentary. Yeah. Like for years there have been social commentary. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Since so. the beginning, like Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the first heroes is literally that's the most famous iconic image of him is punching Hitler and I'm like yeah but comics shouldn't get political yeah like no if you don't think comics get political you clearly don't read them yeah or you're clearly there not are paying comics, attention. there are comics that don't get political and like like we said like if that's something that appeals to you more then read those types of runs yeah you can go read any comic you want like there's some that are going to get political and if you don't want that then there's comics out there that don't you can go and just yeah. read a good story like yeah. Uh, you always give heart yeah. <laughs> oh good job RKO giving Locke a heart he deserves that <laughs> um, but yeah so personally for me like I, and this is speaking as a Tim Drake fan I love Tim Drake I think he's an amazing character I think he's highly underplayed because he gets lost in the mix of like Nightwing being the grown up Robin and the current Robin that's Damien and you know it's like he's kind of halfway between being a Robin and being his own person and I think he's an amazing character he's 100% you know, definitely check out any run on him. He's got a Red Robin series that was out there that was specifically him when Batman was out of commission. Um, mm -hmm. He's the main Robin in uh, Jeff John's Teen Titans run, which is a comic I'm working through at the minute, which leads to an amazing run that goes into the future where he actually, where the Teen Titans become the Justice League and they actually go bad. And he was like this mental Batman. Mm -hmm. um, he's an amazing character that is worth checking out with so much stuff going around it. Um, and if they're going to make him bisexual, he's bisexual. It it doesn't yep. just don't change the character. Don't like don't change who he is as a person. Don't change mm -hmm. the stuff around him. Don't stop start writing awful stories around it. Just if he's going to be into dudes as well as women, then he's into dudes. Yeah. One hundred percent ads. One hundred percent. I will stand that day in day out. I hate Damian Wayne. I cannot stick him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but like I, I don't have an issue 
with him being bisexual. I think comics are evolving and changing, and I think if that's what they're going to do with that and bring that out, then you know, even like the changing of characters, just don't make it a big thing of like he's going to be over the top campy now. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do that because that's just yeah. ridiculous. But it's like if you're yeah. going to do a whole thing of like that, well, he's you know he's now bisexual. Like, okay, comics evolve and. And people that go like that, don't change my characters I love. And I'm like, you've clearly not been paying attention to comics since the 60s. Yeah. A lot of characters have changed in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. I mean, if characters never changed Batman, we'd still be wearing freaking purple gloves, you know? Hey, hey, don't talk about my purple gloves. I will, talk the jam. I will talk about the purple gloves. And uh, the, the ears that point out, you know? Oh, yeah, that's, like the, the, the that's what I want. things, it's like... <laughs> Which, to be fair, though, I will say, like, head and shoulders above what freaking Bob Kane originally came up with as his design. Have you ever seen the original Batman design? Oh, I haven't. I haven't. The ears off, like, right here are, that, that come out are just... Yeah. Let's, put it, let's put it this way. I'm really glad Bill Finger gets the, the credit he deserves for co-creating Batman, because anything you love yeah. about Batman came from him. Bob Kane's yeah. original design would never be around still. Dude, I'm a, I'm a, I think my favorite cow, since we're on this discussion, my favorite cow is probably Frank Miller. I've just, I'm a huge fan of the, the short ears. I don't know why. I just, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. yeah. Undertaker's purple gear was inspired <laughs> by classic Batman, and I will die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, actually. It's right. just funny. Well, speaking of cows, though, let's jump into our last story for today. Is we got some leaks from the Moon Knight show coming up of our Disney Plus and we got some costume leaks earlier in the week and then if you caught our Twitter today, Nitro shared a video that actually came out of some filming on the streets of some yep. stunt work and we got a pretty decent look at the Moon Knight costume. It looks like the leaked stuff is actually what we're getting. So, my understanding is, this, so there was two pictures, pictures posted. Mm. Uh, one was a pretty clear shot of the costume yeah. with, his lit, with lit up eyes um, a la Batman. And then the second one was a darker photo. My understanding is that darker photo is actually for Mortal Kombat 11, and it's Noob Sabot. So I don't know if that one's legit, but my understanding okay. is the other one is the one where it's you yeah. can clearly see the it's one a white where you costume. can clearly see him. And I'm like, if the costume yeah. doesn't look like that now, I'm going to be disappointed because that Dude, costume I, is like spot on. It looks I like am amazing. super hyped for this block. I am in your corner with this. <laughs> yeah, this, this makes me want to pick up just a ton of Moon Knight. Yeah, runs. I want to go and get a bunch of Moon Knight stuff yeah. and get getting the right frame yeah. of mind for this show now. And it's like, yes. and, and I mean, Oscar Isaac's playing him. Dude, he's a beast. He's an amazing he's actor. I'm a, I'm excited to see him like busting out his acting chops here for this. Dude, he's this. he's a phenomenal actor. <laughs> have you seen Ex Machina? With him, in I it? have not seen Ex Machina actually. Dude, I've heard about it, but it's I've not seen so it. good, man. It's so good. Think of uh, Archeo, Think of Moon Knight. Think of it as like Batman, but like he worships an Egyptian god and has multiple personalities. And you're never quite sure if what's happening is actually happening. <laughs> and he's not opposed to killing people. Yeah. So, like, it's like Batman built, like, a little bit of mental health issues and Punisher mixed in. Yeah. So, uh, Batman and Harley Quinn. Hmm. If Harley Quinn worshipped the moon god. Yeah, pretty much. Which, I always love that thing as well with Conchu, like, him worshipping that. We're never quite sure if Conchu is actually Conchu. If it's yeah, no, as an Egyptian it's... god or if it's just... Hey, PC Gone Mad, how's it going? Thank you for the lurk. I appreciate it, brother. We do a shout out for PC Gone Mad. Yeah, I gotcha. But, like, yeah, but Moon Knight, trust me, it's going to be well worth checking out. It's going to yeah. be well worth checking it out. Um, 
So I'm excited for it. Those pictures in that video definitely got me. What Batman would have been if he'd been written by Marvel originally? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm excited for this show. Like, I'm I'm still intrigued how they're going to do this show in Disney+. Plus. This does not feel like a Disney+. Plus. Hey, Isaac. How is it going? <laughs> and Isaac, just so you know, we're, we're both repping today. We're both got Infinity Rocking Bro it. stuff on, Rocking man. it. So... Showing some love, showing some love. But yeah, so I'm I'm hyped for this. Like, and Disney Disney Plus has been like spot on with its shows for the most part so far. And I will absolutely say I did watch episode one of What If, and yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I'm digging I'm digging the animation. I will say the animation. I thought is it was okay. I didn't. I, I wasn't blown away as I am with the other shows. I didn't think it was amazing, but yeah, I thought it was a decent start to it. I just. I feel like when you're trying to change the story around from Captain America the First Avenger and putting Peggy Carter in the role, uh-huh. I'm like, I don't think 30 Minutes does it justice because I'm like, I, yeah. I, it was really hard to connect with that world. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm excited we're getting more of her in future what-ifs, but I'm like, yeah. I could have done with more there. Okay, this is a very I mean, important question for you two. Okay, Lord, one thing, you got? Oh, one thing that I will say, so one thing that I've seen a lot of and a lot of like recent um, like entertainment is that there's this huge push for um, women empowerment, which is great. It's fantastic, and it needs to happen. But I think a lot of times the easy way out is to do that at the expense of male characters mm-hmm. in the same in the same IP. And I think what what F does really well, well with with Peggy Carter as Captain Britain is that it doesn't do that. Like she is yeah. a she's badass in that show, and there's no question about that. And the show is it's all about her. But the other characters in the show, except for Howard Stark, that was funny though. Um, the, the other characters in the show are not dumbed down because of that, you know. No, they're absolutely not. Sidelined. They're not made to look like buffoons. <laughs> and I, I think that's a very well balanced the way that they did that. And Peggy was too quippy, and it was. Uh, I've seen so many uh, people complain and say that they felt Peggy was too quippy, and it felt like it was a different character than normal. Agree or disagree? I, I don't dis- agree. I would disagree. I think yeah, because I I, I, the one, the one... I didn't have an issue with Peggy Carter. I thought she was spot on. I thought Howard Stark was spot on. I thought Steve Rogers was spot on. My issue was there was some of the dialogue felt a bit weird and off. Like some of the, I just felt some of the writing at certain points like it just Steve felt, Rogers. It's like I felt some of the dialogue felt very weird and some of the delivery yeah. felt very weird, Agreed. especially from Bucky. Oh my gosh, it was awful. Which I'm like, do you know what? Do you know what the worst thing about that is? (laughs) That in the opening credits, they've got Sebastian Stan's name, so they brought Sebastian Stan in to play Bucky, and I, I could not tell that was Sebastian Stan. It felt like someone else standing in trying to do it, It, and I'm like, it sounds like he got hammered before he went into the recording booth, and then he delivered his lines, and they're like, yeah, that's good. Let's print it. Yeah, it was one of those things like he was trying something stupid in there, like on yeah. his first take, just to make someone laugh. And they went, "Okay, that's perfect." Like, wait, no, that wasn't the real take, really. We're, but, we're going with that, okay. But to Locke's question, like, in, I mean, in the in the first Captain America movie, like when she he has the shield, it's not painted yet, and she freaking pulls out a gun and shoots it. Like, yeah. she's been quippy since the beginning. You know, oh yeah, she's been, I think like, that really quick, smart wit since the beginning. If you don't so think if like you don't think Peggy Carter's been quippy, you clearly have never watched the Agent Carter show. 
The Adrian Cat or show, she is completely quippy. She does all that yeah. sort of stuff, and she's completely badass. I haven't seen a lot normally. of it. I've, I've seen some of it. I haven't seen a lot of it. Um, so, like, she, I, I think her character was on point, and she's one of the characters that was completely on point for that show. I'm just... Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy think... it. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go um, with the next several episodes, too. Um, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> Ads wanting justice for Captain Britain. <laughs> we'll get a Captain Britain eventually give it time we'll probably see more of Captain Britain when the X-Men stuff starts to come in because he's linked to them because of his relationship with uh, Psylocke so we'll hopefully see some of that stuff but yeah Archeo Bucky was definitely weird in that show yeah it was really weird but I, just just going back to I, I what I really really liked except for the 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 uncanny valley when they were close up on their face when they're talking that was a little weird but overall i thought the animation was phenomenal it was like a really cool mix yeah. of 2d cell shaded and cgi yeah. like seamless animation was, was so really cool, cool. Yeah, animation was yeah. a cool idea it was a cool take on it my honest thing is like some of the writing could have went through a couple of rewrites and a couple of like re-records on some of the delivery and i honestly felt like the show could have benefited from being a little bit longer like, I honestly feel like it could have benefited from being 45 minutes or even an hour just to expand out the story and some of the characters. Yeah. Because it just it felt like it was a retelling of Captain America, the first Avenger, with a couple of changes to it. And I'm like, I, I want to delve more into those characters and the, this universe. And hopefully hey. we'll get that chance eventually, but yeah. Locke, what is... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my ignorance here. I'm not familiar with Excalibur. Excalibur is but... the British X-Men. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. Uh, same way they did Avengers. Give us a Phase 1 style build. Absolutely. I would love to see them expanding into that. It includes like Captain Britain and Union Jack and all that. Uh, especially now we can use characters again like Nightcrawler. Absolutely, Locke. Um, hey, Stevie, how is it going? Yeah, looking forward for that video, Stevie. But thank you so much for popping in, sweetheart. I appreciate it. Make sure we get a shout-out if we've not already for Stevie. Say 45 at least would have been preferable. Yeah, absolutely, Lock. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see more of the... Ooh, we've got some art going on. I'm definitely up for seeing some more of the What If stuff. I think it's, an, yeah. it's definitely an amazing thing to check out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for what we got, it was okay. I felt some changes could have happened to it. It definitely wasn't the strongest of the shows, but mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what else is to come. I'm really excited to see the Doctor Strange one and the Spider-Man mm -hmm. one. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with those. Uh, and also, they have one where um, Ultron gets the gauntlet, right? He gets all, all the Infinity Stones. Yeah, so that, like that's going to be, so I'm, gonna be interesting. I'm excited to see what they do with that. Um, yeah. All right, so first of all, I'm going to wait for the shout-out to happen so that it uncovers our sponsor. There we go. Uh, so let's do a shout out for our sponsor and we are going to jump into full spoilers for Suicide Squad because we're starting yes. to push towards that hour mark and we really need to start getting into this because I've got a feeling there's some big kind of stuff coming up in this conversation. I think we're going to have some good yeah. chatting on this. Yeah, uh, we've so, pre-chatted and yeah, yeah. We okay. pre-chatted pre quite a bit on this so like I think we're looking good. So first of all, right below me you can see um, Gamer Green Co, the number one coffee for gamers. Um, hashtag on that grind so make sure to go ahead and check them out use comics from the cross at checkout to save yourself five percent and get yourself some amazing coffee from them so i want to just give a little shout out to gamer grind make sure we include them cool all right if you have not checked out suicide squad if you have not watched it yet now is your chance to duck out if you don't want to be spoiled on it 
Because we're going to drop some nasty spoilers right at the beginning. Spoilers right from the beginning. The funky spoilers. In three, two, one. Half the team dies in the opening credits. Boomerang, dead. Javelin, <laughs> dead. Javelin Mongol. Dead. Uh, Mongol. Mongol, dead. Uh, weasel. <laughs> Looks like he's dead, but actually Kinda somehow survives. Uh, what's TDK, his name? Nathan Fillion. TDK, dead. dead. Savant, dead. Blackguard, dead. Dead. All in the opening scene. <laughs> yeah, within the first 15 minutes. Or 10 minutes, really, honestly. Yeah. It was, a, it was about half the team, Red, because uh, you got Flag and Harley Quinn survive that. Technic yeah. Technically, Weasel survives. Weasel did survive. What's, then, uh, what was um, what was uh, the dude he always puts in his movies? What's his face? Michael Rooker. What was his character's name? Oh, Savant. Savant, that's it. I, I had bet money. Like The people he always puts in his movies are Savant, uh, Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, who was TDK, and mm -hmm. um, his brother Sean Gunn, who played Weasel, and also as a cameo was Calendar Man. Um, oh, they, yeah, that's who that was. Yeah, so they always appear in his movies. I was betting money that Nathan Fillion or Weasel would be the first to die, just because that's the sort of thing he does, and Nathan Fillion usually shows up and gets killed off in these movies like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and does he cameos. Was, he, he I was, was freaking hilarious, shocked. dude. The savant died that quickly especially yeah, since they too. opened the movie like building around him and like him being like almost like the head of this team along with rick flag and it's like oh this yeah they kill off half the team in this sort of thing and then like a lot of the fact they go to the other beach and it's like that the real team that yeah. we're going to be actually so basically uh, i mean i mean a waller who in this movie I, I i really like the character development of her in this movie because you, she, they've they've made her or they've uh, sorry I can't, I'm trying to words I, I don't have words um, you basically come to, to the terms with the fact that she's almost just as bad as they are or oh, if yeah. not worse absolutely you know and they kind of they lean into that in this movie they kind of touched on it in the first movie a little bit uh, but they really leaned it in on this one yeah absolutely so it starts off basically like the whole movie kicks off with Amanda Waller like putting together the team like Nitro said, they really lean heavy into her as like this awful person. Like, and throughout yeah. the movie, you see that built up that she's willing to do anything to pull off the mission, to defend America. She ba basically threatens to kill uh, Bloodsport's daughter. Yeah. yeah, it's like so. You yeah. see this really paid off, and in the beginning, we see the team getting, and you already know something's off from the get go, because like you see, we start off with Savant. We start off with him like out in the yard bouncing a ball, and we get to see his ability to like be directly on target he's out like bouncing a ball in this little like concrete courtyard with like x's all over the walls and he's hitting targets mm -hmm. ends up killing a bird and stuff with one of the shots and it's like you start to kind of get a feel of him mm -hmm. and then they built him up that he's gonna be part of this team and we start to meet some of the team like we see rick flag we see harley quinn are part of it so captain boomerang's part of it so we're starting to see faces we've seen from the previous uh, suicide squad along with mm -hmm. new people like tdk Mm -hmm. Blackguard, um, Weasel, stuff like that. I love the line. They were like, Harley Quinn was like, what is your name? What is your name? And he goes, TDK. <laughs> she was like, what does that stand for? It's like, that's my name. It stands for me. And, and somebody, like, <laughs> somebody's like, 
your name is letters and then somebody's like everybody's name is letters you idiot yeah it's like everyone's name's letters and it's like you can't argue that to be completely honest that's a good point that's solid that's a solid point and then they also have the massive argument as well of what weasel is like is this a werewolf is this a dog my next to a dog is is that a dog dog do you think that is yes i love to do he's like afghan hound like what kind of afghan hound do you think looks like that it's like is this a werewolf i'm sitting next to a werewolf ah uh, that was hilarious. The interaction is so well That's done. Really good. Like it's a really good opening. You really start to like, okay, these are gonna be cool characters to follow. Yeah. And then it's like they get to the beach, they're going to Corto Maltese. They drop in the water to get to the beach. Weasel drowns. Cause, Immediately. Because <laughs> nobody checked if Weasel could swim. I love it. Savat pulls him up on the beach and like Weasel's dead. Like <laughs> awesome. First person to die, and I like. Swell. Um, he does wake up in the end credits. The first post like, post-credit scene, like Weasel wakes up alive on the beach somehow. But I wouldn't have been surprised if he had been killed off properly there because yeah. he was played Agreed. by Sean Gunn, and James Gunn tends to do that to his brother in these sort of yeah. roles. Um. But yeah, so they get on the beach, and it turns out Blackguard sold them out and told the army they were coming. And then subsequently... I love the fact place. that we jump over the fact, though, of, like, how. Yeah, that's right. He was in prison. How did he How did he sell them out? It's never explained. You don't yeah. get a chance to process it. All these lights come on. There are guards all around him. And his face is literally blown off. If you are looking for a movie that's okay to show your kids... Even as an R rating pushing it, it, this is not that movie. No, the gratuitous no. violence is insane, abundant, and that's one of the com- that's one of the conversations. All right, so should we like pull back and maybe just talk about what overall how we felt about the movie? First, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we can just because because like, the opening scene is pretty much that. The opening scene literally is just to set the tone. Yeah, like because they all get wiped out, they all get killed in different ways, and it's like it literally sets the tone of this movie of like it's. Yeah. All right, so, so what were what uh, were your thoughts on the movie then? What are your right. thoughts? So on? I know I know we've we've kind of touched on it. You and I have touched on it a little bit. I really liked the movie. At first, I know I messaged you right after the movie last night because I was still processing it, and I was like, I honestly think I might like David David Ayers. More. I was going to say this man made a bold claim to me last night after he saw Suicide Squad and said he might like the 2016 version better, and I'm like, that's well, a bold I- claim to make. The more I thought on it, the more I'm like, okay, no, I definitely enjoy this one more. I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I think the reason is I went in with really, really high expectations because I was hearing nothing but just amazing stuff about it. Um, so I really liked it. I think the main issue that I had with it, which I've, I've told you about, Cross, is I think ton- tonistically, it's all over the place. And I think for me, just comparing it, because this is inevitable, we're going to compare this movie to David Ayers. Of course. Just comparing comparing it to David Ayers, although David Ayers <clears throat> is a worse movie, no question. But tonistically, David Ayers was consistent throughout. And I think James Gunn, I, I think he's just all over the place in this movie. And, and maybe that's on purpose, and maybe that's just naivete on my end, but it kind of took me out in certain spots of the movie. And uh, yeah. So I, I liked the movie a lot. I didn't love it. I'd probably get it like a 7, 7.5, 8 out of 10. But I liked it a lot. It's definitely better than David Ayers. Yeah. I definitely don't think this movie is a perfect movie. A lot of people were giving yeah. it like, you know, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes when it first came on. Mm-hmm. It was getting 10 out of 10s and all that stuff. I did not for 
any second think it was a it was a perfect movie i did thoroughly enjoy it i found myself like the next day even when i first seen it like really thinking about some of the scenes really enjoying it and thinking you know what i really want to sit and watch some of that again it was a really it was a definitely a high ranking movie for me yeah yeah it was yeah, definitely probably... one of the right idea for it um david air suicide squad i thought was awful mm-hmm. i mean i think like they screwed that up and regardless of whether it was david air or whether it was warner brothers interference or whatever mm-hmm. the heck it was that's not the point the movie was not good i um, i agree redbeard <laughs> i think that's definitely one of one of the issues with that movie yeah the joker was definitely a big issue in that they definitely they tried to shoehorn him in when he did not need to be in there at all Nightwolf um, hand up a la a la king shark hand, hand. <laughs> yeah hand. um but yeah the 2016 one i was not a fan of i just i thought it was not well done i thought even just the characters that repeated themselves like that it's like you know it's like some of them were good like boomerang was the the same for the little bit we got of him in this movie mm-hmm. I think like Harley Quinn was back. She was so much better in this movie than she was in the first one. In the first one, she was literally there to be tits and ass. She was there to yeah. you know get her top off it when she changes clothes and to bend over in her short shorts. Like that was mm-hmm. it. Yeah. This we actually got like her character coming out, her personality coming through in this. We got all of this mm-hmm. stuff. We got yeah. uh, Rick Flag. I felt was so much better and more developed in this one as well. He actually, See, had, I, he had a I person- don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I feel like there was much more character development for Rick Flag in the first one than there was in this one. Really? Because I felt like he had yeah. more personality in this one. We got a little bit of him coming out. We got his backstory with Dubois. We got like that connection with them. Like in the first one, what did we really get on him apart from? No, no. Maybe it was just the screen time. There was definitely more screen time. Oh, in the first one hundred percent. It was more screen time. One hundred percent. You know, just just the fact. All right, so Rick Flag dies in this movie. Just just a heads up on that. Peacemaker, who plays played by John Cena, wonderfully, I might add. Not a huge John Cena fan, but um, he's fantastic. As he Peacemaker. did awesome in this movie. Um, he so he stabs Rick Flag in the heart, and I'll be honest. And my wife basically, me and my wife and I had a conversation about this. Like, if there was more character development for Rick Flag in this movie, I would have felt something when he got stabbed in the heart. I felt absolutely nothing. There was just nothing. I was like, okay, all right, let's move on. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me, and I'm just a cold-hearted <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I, but, I can definitely see that. I think you were expected to feel a big thing there for it, and it's like there's there could have been more character development for Rick Flagg, I will definitely say. But I, personally, I felt like there was more development of him, and we got to see more of his personality coming through in this one. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of stuff was done better. Like Even the characters who were clearly stand-in characters... I felt a lot more for like you can't watch the 2016 movie and watch Will Smith as Deadshot and see Deadshot. Mm-hmm. You see Will Smith with a gun. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's I like, thought he did. I thought he did as good as he could do though for that part. He did as good as he could. I opinion. think. I think it was bad casting. Personally, as that wasn't a role for Will Smith. That's he, he does good in certain roles. I don't think that was a role meant for him with Deadshot. I don't think because I I couldn't get past personally him being Will Smith. To really get into him as Deadshot, but at the same time, like we clearly got Bloodsport was clearly as a replacement for him. He pretty much mm-hmm. had the same powers, abilities, the old connection yeah. with his daughter. It was clearly a stand-in, but like I yeah. thought it was a much stronger role, and Idris Elba was a lot more believable in that role than Will Smith playing that. Yeah, he came across a lot stronger in that role, and I, I love the whole arc between Blood Bloodsport and the Ratcatcher. 
and yeah. the whole like you know Bloodsport's like his contention with his daughter at the beginning of the movie. He's basically his daughter comes to visit him in prison, and he's basically like, "I told you not to come visit me. I there's nothing good that I can offer you." And then they just start getting in this f word screaming match. It's actually like, f you, f you, f you. That scene alone so, got this movie an R rating because of many times yeah, you said the f word. There's like there's like twenty f words in that one scene. Like the but rest of the movie that, could have been family friendly. That scene alone was the one that got them an R rating without anything like it, else. It's it's definitely heavily hinted in that scene that he basically doesn't want her to get hurt. And he's basically just trying to get her away from him so she doesn't get hurt. Um, and you see that evolve through the movie with his relationship with Ratcatcher, who also who, who also had a, or who, who had a dad that she really loved and they had a really good connection. So he he sees that in her and he he basically she's like a surrogate daughter to him and it, it's, it's 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 a really cool arc throughout the throughout the, the story. Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's just saying there about blood sport and. It was written as Deadshot to be in that role, and then he swapped it out because mm. he would love Will Smith to come back. I'm like, I'm glad they swapped it out. I'm glad they just didn't put him in because honestly, I really loved Bloodsport. I thought the way they portrayed him was so well done. And I'm not gonna lie, the whole like seeing him near the end of the movie pulling bits and pieces off of his costume to turn into like guns and weapons and stuff like I, I was down for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I think this movie was definitely the better of the two. I think all the characters' yeah. games were up. Um, even like, you know, uh, Amanda Waller, Viola Davis coming back to play her, I thought mm-hmm. was so much better in this role. She was, like, in an R rated movie, was allowed to just let rip. And yeah. Because that's the thing that people don't always get with Amanda Waller. She is not meant to be a nice and likable person. No. She's an she's awful not. person. She is horrible. She is not meant to be liked in any way. Mm-hmm. and it's like so like even like the threat like she makes of like that it's like basically i'll kill your daughter to blood sport yeah. to get him on the team and get him to work with the suicide squad it's like she honestly means it yeah she's she no warms about that 100 percent night wolf sebastian carried the movie sebastian the mm-hmm. rat one of the best characters in the movie <laughs> <laughs> dude that was so hilarious that that end scene where they're on that the helicarrier not helicarrier good grief the they're on whatever whatever it is that they're on and the so uh bloodsport has this like innate fear of rats just because of a childhood trauma with yeah. his dad and um rat catcher's favorite rat just it, like loves on him the entire movie he's waving at him he's i trying feel to give so him sorry presents. for sebastian he tries so hard to win bloodsport over in this movie <laughs> but at the very end like the rat gets on blood sports leg and you can see him tensing up and then it like snuggles and lays down and you see him slowly reach his hand down the hand like, it. <laughs> like it's like i can do this i can do it's this. so funny dude yeah oh, but, oh such a good one movie. one scene i wanted to i know we're kind of jumping all over the place here but yeah we'll start going one through scene, it bit by bit in a minute but yeah. yeah one scene that i thought was really 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 cool um so uh, in in blood sports past like his dad was pretty abusive physically abusive and at one point he locked him in this like closet in his house for like an entire day and there was a ton of rats in there and they basically took bites out of him and stuff like that so that's why he has this innate fear of rats and in the climax of the movie when you know the villain of the film is starro it's just gigantic alien starfish basically amazing choice for a villain yeah awesome they're trying to take it down, and Ratcatcher 2, who's the MVP of the movie, let's be honest. Yeah, she's, um, she stole this movie in a lot of ways. She yeah, really did. she caused basically millions of rats to kind of take this thing down, and they start going all over the place and climbing over Bloodsport, and he gets in a fetal position, and such a cool emotional moment that I really dug was Ratcatcher put her arm around him, 
like as like a it's okay type thing. Uh, I thought that was so cool. Like that okay. like, went straight to my heart. I thought that was cool. Let me burst your bubble on that scene a little bit there. Because I was thinking about this when I was watching it last night. She has absolute control over these rats to such a degree that they are like overrunning a giant space starfish. Yeah. She could have controlled them to go around him. That's true. That's true. And she just like maybe maybe she, it's you know the immersion therapy. And just let about. them run over him and scare the crap out of him for a good fifteen minutes. And she, what do they call that type of therapy where they oh exposure therapy? That's it. Exposure she was just giving him some exposure therapy, dude. <laughs> and it's like you could have literally just made them go round him and totally avoid oh, him. No, I'm so gonna. Funny. I'm just gonna let them curl up in the fetal position and have them run over him for no reason. <laughs> I didn't think about that until I rewatched it last night. You're totally and, right, though. And I was like, it's, you could have literally made them go round him. I'm just chalking <laughs> it up to exposure therapy. <laughs> exposure therapy. <laughs> all right, so let's go back to the start of this here. So, all right. So I think, first of all, that first beat scene, everyone's wiped out in that first team. Uh, it's like we see, like, Mongal tries to take out a helicopter and it crashes and she's setting fire. The blades of that, like, cut through the trees and it completely stabs through Captain Boomerang, who I think was the shock death. Especially yeah, that, that early on, I did not expect um, Captain Boomerang to die because he's like a stable of the Suicide Squad. And then if the trees didn't kill him, the freaking blade blows off the helicopter and like eradicates him. Yeah, um, he dies. I, a special shout out to my boy Nathan Fillion though. <laughs> TDK was hysterical. Dude, it was pretty funny. The detachable right? kid who can detach his arms, and his arms went up to these armed guards and just, just started slapping them. Slapping them. <laughs> They just they just hitting him in the like pawing him in the face and they're like what is this? Uh, he gets gunned down. Uh, javelin gets gunned down, but before he dies, bequeaths his javelin to Harley, and then kind of tells her she has to use it to do something, but dies before she can he can say what. So her arc in this is to find out why I'm carrying this javelin. Yeah, for no reason. Like he was not telling her anything. It wasn't a big moment, but. She now has this javelin that she's trying to work out what to do with. The only people that get out of there are um, Flag and Quinn. Uh, mm. Savant basically sees them all getting murdered and tries to run away, tries to swim away on a bit of wood. And and we literally get him getting his head blown up. I think the first time we've really seen a proper yeah. head explosion from one of these. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he's left to die. And that's the opening of the movie. Yep, and that's it. And then it cuts three days early and then goes back to the, the actual team. The bits of blood and brain from from the said exploded head spell out the Suicide Squad title. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so well done. And then of course we get yeah. the the actual team, the opening bit, and we see that Bloodsport's leading the actual team, mm-hmm. who's going to be our cast for this movie, who include Ratcatcher Two, uh, Peacemaker, uh, King Shark, Polka Dot Man. <laughs> Polka Dot Man is also the MVP of this Love movie. He's, he's probably my favorite character in this he movie. He is amazing. Him and Ratcatcher so good, are dude. like... You took this dude who's literally Polka Dot Man, who's basically a joke of a villain in the comics, and you made me honestly care about him. And he, yeah. the thing is, you made him an enjoyable character whose power is actually pretty awesome, yeah, and also made him a very like funny character as well, because like he's got this trauma with his mom, so every time he sees his mom all over the place... Yeah, and it's hilarious. Like he he has this huge like dialogue with the team about his powers and his trauma as a childhood and stuff like that. And then they're in the jungle in the middle of the night, and there it shows a shot of them all just looking at him like, "You are crazy." 
and then it goes back to him and then it shows his point of view looking at them and they are all his mom like literally his mom in all of their costumes it's hilarious uh, and i forgot her name as well it's something ash i think I, f- I looked it up as well and i completely forgot her name but shout out to the actress that played his mom she was awesome in this role portraying all the members of the suicide squad as well as starro at the end when he's looking at starro that was hilarious it's like it's like look it's your mom and he looks (laughs) and it's this giant version of his mom (laughs) so polka dot man has this thing where he has he calls it's an interdimensional virus so he gets infected with these like light up i don't know what's called polka Polka dots i guess within his in his body and he has to throw up the polka dots twice a day or they'll eat him alive but he can also shoot them out with these wrist gauntlets that he have and they basically dissolve they're stuff. freaking powerful as well by the way it's Dude, like super powerful. he shot them out and it's like up until the point when he first shot those out he was still a bit of a joke and then they tore through everything in front of them and it was like dang he's actually pretty powerful yeah, yeah it's just a rash yeah, it's just <laughs> a rash i'm really interested in polka dot man's origin i want to know what happened with his siblings that survived absolutely i want a polka dot man show because i want to see him in childhood and what happened to his siblings and all that stuff i'm like just give me a mini series of that that could be amazing yeah um but yeah so like we get the actual team they arrive on the beach and are making their way to the city and we get like the whole it then cuts back three days earlier and we get their story Mm. so Bloodsport is like cleaning everything and we get Waller coming up to him, trying to get him enlisted for the Suicide Squad. And apparently we get the hint that she's done this a few times and he keeps saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when we get the whole thing with his daughter. His daughter comes to see him um, at the recommendation of Waller. Because um, she's gotten in trouble with the police and um, she's in Louisiana. So in Louisiana at the age she's at, she could get tried as a, an adult instead of a minor. Which means she could end up going to Belle Reve where he is. Yeah. And if you go to Bell Reef, you can end up working for Waller and being part of Task Force X and all this sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it basically threatens that if she comes here, she's like, I'm going to handpick her and she's going to be part of this and she's going to end up dying yeah. if you don't become part of the Suicide Squad. Um, so he's basically forced into this. We get the back and forth with him and his daughter where it's like he basically, tell, he basically gets mad at her for getting caught. Mm-hmm. and it's like a smartwatch thing she tried to steal where she can watch TV on your watch and he starts yelling yeah. at her for getting caught and for getting caught stealing something so stupid well, like a TV watch so why do you want to watch TV in your watch, TV watch. So why do you want to watch TV in your watch it does other things too yeah. <laughs> um, so he gets mad at that and basically tells her look I never wanted to be a father I've got nothing to yeah. offer you and what I'm giving you this advice like what advice have you got is like get a partner next time you watch your back like this is the yeah. advice I've got for you this is all I've got yeah. Um, but he ends up in there we start to meet his team we first meet Peacemaker which I love the question of that of like, because they go through his story and then they go through uh, Peacemaker's story and it's like he's me we're the same they're like yeah but I'm better <laughs> and we get the, we get a funny thing talk- actually comes back of the whole thing of like that it's like oh I had everything on target I had it more on target how smaller bullets <laughs> which sounds like a throwaway line until it ends up becoming a thing yeah like yeah. later on and uh, we'll get to that absolutely later i love the fact that comes back though dude john cena i will have to say um Can't... i'm a happily married man but john cena is a an absolute unit in this movie good grief i'm just saying i was gonna say is like that unit may not be the best term to use after the captain tighty whitey <laughs> scene as well <laughs> that's true dude that was hilarious it's oh, like it's I love the fact they come to like save Ratcatcher when she's about to get eaten by King Shark, and it's like, why are you in your 
Why you in your underwear? You're tighty whities That's racist. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, when he said that's racist, I almost fell out my seat, dude. That was hilarious. <laughs> that's racist. Yeah. And with that, I figure that was a great performance by John Cena. It's like, well, that's it as well. Locke is like, or uh, Redbeard is like, I don't, th- I think it was meant to be like, you're not technically meant to like him. He's a horrible person, clearly. Yeah. But he does it so over the top. I can't help but like enjoying the guy. Like, I love the the little rivalry between him and Bloodsport for pretty much the whole movie as well. One, one thing I will say, one one drawback I will say to Peacemaker that I was thinking about a little earlier today, I feel like for like the first 60% of the movie, he was played for laughs, um, but he was doing it straight-laced as his character. Like, he believed it. Yeah. Um, and then, like, somewhere between, like, two-thirds of the movie on, that switched the way that his character was portrayed. And again, that was a tonal thing. That was a choice that was made with that. And you know, right or wrong, I think feel like that took me out of his character a bit, honestly. Really? In what way do you? Yeah. In what way, sort of thing? Because like, I don't I'd... know. Like it, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of um. I guess the way that he approached his lines, like the the jokiness, the quippiness, or whatever, just it was gone. The last like twenty thirty percent of the movie. Well, yeah, and I think a lot. That, of I mean, that... that they leaned on that. That was his character in the first part of the movie, and it wasn't there at the end. So it was just weird. See, for me, I think it was more a case of, like, the way he delivered the lines was just, it was so over-the-top ridiculous because, but he fully believed it. Yeah. But then that last bit of the movie, like, when he actually get to Jotunheim, it's like, it's, everything's gotten more serious and, like, and it's his true mission sort of thing is coming out at that point. Yeah. Um, so I felt like it was still kind of in character, just in that situation there wasn't the opportunity for the quips because there was a lot mm-hmm. of... There was a lot of opportunity for it before because it was like, especially like with him going on with Bloodshot or uh, Bloodsport, it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of comedy stuff, a lot of stupidity and different things. Mm -hmm. It was all played up, but then you started to get, you know, into the actual, we're in Jotunheim, we're dealing with the thinker, we're doing all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it became a lot more serious when his stuff came out. At least that's what I felt personally. Yeah. Dude, I did love his banter with him and King Shark though. With oh. Peacemaker and King Shark, that was hilarious. That was amazing. And He's like, that looks nothing like me. Uh, yeah, that was nothing like me. It was very nice, thank you. <laughs> nothing like me. Um, but yeah, so we get like the whole teams gathered together. Um, <clears throat> they get told what they're up to is like they're going to Corte Maltese. There's a new government in place who's not uh, friendly with America, and they're to go in and basically blow up their science division in Jotunheim. Which contains Project Starfish, um, known to DC fans as Starro the Conqueror, mm. um, a starfish creature that can eject smaller versions of itself and basically latch onto people and turn them into drones and extensions of itself. Um, if you go and check out our Discord, I posted a video that was posted from Variant Comics looking at the origin of Starro, and I'll go kind of in depth of just how powerful he is. We didn't get a chance to see the vast extent of it in this movie because there wasn't an opportunity which they wouldn't have been able to but like the extent of what he control i mean this guy can control galaxies worth of people mm-hmm. in one go he's one of the strongest mind control villains in the dc comics and um, mm-hmm. so i thought it was really interesting to bring him in as a suicide squad villain mm-hmm. Starro's first appearance was actually in the original like bringing together the first appearance of the justice league yeah um, like in you know like Superman Batman Flash Wonder Woman Aquaman like they all came together to fight Starro that was their first big villain so I thought it was a really cool inclusion to bring him in for this yeah um, I thought he was a way better villain than than Enchantress and oh, her 100%. weirdo brother 
Yeah, like that was just bizarre and bizarre. Like that was really weird. And they turned to turn their the the enemies into just weird things with just a ton of eyes that just made no sense. Yeah, and the awesome Whatever. thing with Starro as well is that they made Starro. They made him a a sympathetic villain. Yeah, I agree. He was just in space, and then like these astronauts, these American astronauts, brought him on their on their spaceship. Mm-hmm. and he took over them and he, he came back to Earth and he was basically then imprisoned and experimented on for the last 30 years and it's like yeah. and you very much get that feel of that of what he's doing I'm like I don't blame him for like you know wanting to break out and rampage and do all this stuff because he is a bit sympathetic he didn't ask for this he's been stuck here and tortured by Thinker for 30 years yeah, yeah. so of course he went off the rails like this and this is our first introduction as well to Peter Capaldi phenomenal actor as well um, playing the Thinker which originally, like in the, a lot of the the stuff that was released for this, it made it look like Peter Capaldi's thinker was actually part of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I thought too. Um, and he's not. He works um, at Jotunheim at the Uncourt Maltese and experimenting on Starro, and he's there in. So basically, mm-hmm. the whole plan is to like catch him. He goes to a gentleman's club after work most days, mm-hmm. is to go there, capture him, and use him as their get in to go in and basically blow the place. Um, Peter Capaldi, phenomenal, absolutely RKO. He's an amazing actor. He done amazingness of thinker. Played it so well. Dude, I was trying to place his accent. Where is he from? Do you know? Uh, he's Scottish, I believe. Is he really? Yeah, it wasn't. I don't a know why I heard an Australian accent. It wasn't a but... Scottish accent he had. He's probably trying to make it more English, but I believe he is actually Scottish, if I'm right. Yeah, you're right, Glasgow. Yeah, he's from Glasgow, so he's not that far from where I'm from. Um. But yeah, he's a phenomenal actor, of course, best known for playing uh, the Doctor and Doctor Who. Uh, glad to see him still getting phenomenal roles like this, though. Um, so they get it. It then cuts to now. We're back on the beaches of Corto Maltese. Um, and they're working their way through and basically heading on their mission to get to the city to go and get to him. And then they find out one of the people that was working with Waller finds out Rick Flagg's actually alive. Mm-hmm. So they have to go to this camp where he is. This is and save Rick Flag, and it's like, okay, we're going to this camp. This is where, like, the you know, get them out and we'll measure them contest starts between Bloodsport yeah. and Peacemaker about yeah. who's better. And it's such an amazing scene because you get a couple of kills, um, and actually, like, King Shark grabs somebody and eats some. Ratcatcher yeah. gets a couple of rats to overrun somebody. But most of this scene is Bloodsport <laughs> and Peacemaker taking shots at each other. <laughs> And it is such, like literally, if you have not seen this, you have to watch this scene. I cannot do it justice explaining it on this podcast. I literally LOL'd in the theater. It was hilarious. I laughed at this. The two of them, uh, the two of them are just phenomenal. Each other, just the way they're doing it, like I, like Bloodsport with these little arrow things shooting people, like compression bullets. (laughs) Yeah, the compression bullets, like that one was non-lethal. Compression bullet. It's like and it blows him up. It's like no one likes a show off, unless what you're showing off is dope. Is yeah, damn, he's right. (laughs) He's right. (laughs) Dude, that was even funnier. I love it, and it's like I love as well. Like, what is it? He kills somebody. Like, uh, I can't remember what it was. He's like peacemaker kills somebody, and he's literally just walking by a a guy in a bunk and just like stop, 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 stop. Just 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 casually walking by with an axe. 
It's like it's like Bloodsport gets his little mace thing out and starts, and they literally wreck camp of everybody. Dude, they murder everyone in there. It's hilarious. which I love, and then they all turn around to this like watchtower, and then out of nowhere, polka dot man unleashes his power and like launches these polka dots, and it like basically eradicates the stilts that's on, and the whole thing collapses. And it's like yeah, and I just love the fact they look at him like, dang, he really does shoot polka dots. <laughs> <laughs> And they get to the tent, and Rick Flag's sitting talking to the leader of the rebels. Drinking tea. Drinking tea, relaxing. And it's like, why didn't my people tell me you were here? We, we didn't see any people. No, we didn't. We didn't see no one, and then King Shark coughs something up. Yeah, Louis Capaldi, he's the second cousin of Peter Carr. Oh, really? Nice. Um, Pellet telegraphed the twist, oh. but the scene was very... We're still cool in a very Kingsman way. Oh yeah, it's a cool scene, and they're like, you know, it's coming. You know, like, because we've kind of got an introduction to this sort of stuff that he's probably not getting held or anything like that. Chances are you might have seen the twist coming, but the scene is hysterical. I I totally did not see it coming. I'm I'm, I'm super dense to be transparent, but I did not see it. Coming. Yeah, I so, I personally didn't see it coming. Like, I can see how you might have though. Like it's one of those twist things that could have happened because of how early in the movie it is. But regardless of if you've seen that coming or not, the scene is amazing. It's, it's one of my favourite scenes of the whole thing. Um, and then, of course, like she, they tell her why they're there and stuff to take down, you know, Jotunheim, and they're comp- and she's like, whoever we've got left is still going to help you <laughs> because like we're looking to take down the government and put it back in the hands of the people. And <laughs> Red Redbeard quoting you in the chat there. Um. But yeah, it's like, so they end up heading into town with their bus driver, Milton. Literally almost titled this uh, with the channel, like, Milton Squad or something like that. because of that Dude, I, I noticed the squad goals. I love it. I love it. Do you know what's funny is I follow this comic book uh, movie reviewer on Twitter, and I thought that they spoiled the movie because I hadn't seen it yet. So they had a picture of Idris Elba, and they said, pour one out for Milton. And I was like, no, don't tell me that he dies. I don't want to know that. But it was an inside joke. It's a it. joke for the end, which, which is absolutely <laughs> hysterical. Which I'm going to say that scene yes. is awesome as well. Like, I so love good. how indignant Polka Dot Man gets that they have no clue who Milton is and that he was with them <laughs> during that scene. We'll get to that scene. That's, that's when they actually get to Jotunheim. Uh, but they find a bus driver, Milton. They all get changed into normal clothes. King Shark decides to put on a disguise of a fake mustache. Mustache. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yep, still look exactly like you, and it's a good thing you do, otherwise you would look like a shark, a shark shaped bloke walking up on us. <laughs> but they all head in there. I love it. We get a bit of backstory as well to Ratcatcher um, and her dad. He was the one that um, created the things to control rats and um, had a bit of a drug problem, so they grew up on the streets, grew up starving. Massive shout out, by the way, to Taika Waititi playing the original Ratcatcher, playing Ratcatcher 2's dad. Yeah. Always amazing. I love it when he shows up and stuff. Again, phenomenal. He's an amazing director, so, amazing movie maker, but amazing actor. Who? So I know James Gunn was originally trying to get Taika to do a role in the movie. Do you remember who it was at first? He couldn't do it. He had like a conflict or something like that. So then he fit him in for the original Ratcatcher. But do you remember who he was supposed to be playing? Mm, I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe I would be no Google and look it up. But like, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. But he did amazing as Ratcatcher, and we even get a really emotional scene later when she's flashing back, and why he makes the stuff, and why he works with rats. It's like, so good. So good at that scene. Like, thank you, TT. Massive shout out to him. 
Um, but we get her backstory. We also get the backstory then as uh, Nitro had talked a bit with Bloodsport and his dad, like locking him in the crate with a bunch of hungry rats for 24 hours, and that's why he hates rats now. Um, so they head on, go to the gentleman's club. Oh, we jumped to the camp scene actually. I forgot about the camp scene. Just to quickly mention, because we already kind of mentioned a little bit about, you know, Peacemaker's tighty whities being shown off. Dude, that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, the whole thing of like King Shark tries to eat Ratcatcher and she's sleeping through the whole thing. <laughs> and like, and literally, like, King Shark cannot be hurt. He's pretty much a demigod, Nanawi. Yeah, the, like, he gets his... shot and it, it, they just bounce off. Like, yeah, Bloodsport unloads on him everything he's got and it's like, it eventually just gets him to sit down. Yeah. Um, and they decide to become friends in the hopes that he won't eat them. Like, make sure they're official friends. But yeah, so they make it to the, the Gentleman's Club. Which I do appreciate the fact that like, we go to this gentleman's club and it's an R-rated movie and they are pretty tame on the nudity. Yeah. Like, agreed. it's a, literally a blink and you miss it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Like, yeah I, I honestly expected them to walk into that club and it literally to be just, like, boobs everywhere, to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah. So yeah. I'm completely thankful that it's not and they, didn't, they weren't gratuitous with it and they didn't go all over that. Agreed. Um, oh, yeah, we'll get to those ads. Don't worry, the, the fish that attacked King <laughs> Shark... So they get to the club, and I, I'm going to say this right now. This first part of them being in this club is a better version of the bar scene from 2016 Suicide Squad. You think so? The 2016 one where they try to have the... We're all downtrodden, and we're all going to have a drink and do the all-coming-together scene. Mm-hmm. In that movie, I'm not going to lie, it felt so forced. Yeah. It felt like we had to shoehorn this in. Whereas mm-hmm. this felt like a bunch of people who had kind of gotten to know each other, had kind of like evened out with each other, even got to see friendships such as Bloodsport and Rick Flag. They are good friends from before, yeah, um, and stuff like that, and got to see them just drinking, having a laugh. Like they even they ordered Peacemaker orders them drinks. We even order a drink for Sebastian the Rat. Yeah, um, they get to have a laugh. Like Polka Dot Man trying to take a drink and it kind of almost killing him. Uh, yeah. We get to see Peacemaker and. Uh, rat catcher out in the dance floor peacemakers moves mm-hmm. are hysterical good polka dot scene. polka dot man yes. on the dance floor is he's amazing he is surrounded so- by hot women and-, and then it flashes to his point of view and every single one of them looks like his mom in his mind and it is so <laughs> it's really funny, funny. It's really i funny. love polka dot man he's amazing yeah, he's such a good he's such a good character in this movie. Um, so he's dancing with his mom multiple times. Um, you get to see Rick Flag and uh, Bloodsport just you know just talking crap, just catching up mm-hmm. with each other, just having a drink. Rick Flag even says it to him like you know this might be our last drink together sort of thing, and yeah, makes a toast of like here's to be alive mm-hmm. in a few hours, and I'm like and really big foreshadowing when you know that he ends up dying later on in the movie mm-hmm. which Nitro already mentioned so sorry for re-spoiling that for you yeah we did already mention it though Rick Flag dies <laughs> gets stabbed in the heart in case we haven't told you yet you know yeah um, and then of course eventually he shows up the thinker comes in to do his after work run around the club he looks phenomenal by the way they in done... his in his costume oh yeah they've done great work that's great prosthetic work on him yeah I'm sorry, Locke, I know. Rick Flag dies, we just... I know. <laughs> he trips over some barbed wire, and it's, it's pretty it's pretty gruesome. 
To be fair, to be fair though, it's like that in this movie you never quite know like who's going to survive or not because a bunch, right. a couple of people look like they're meant to be dead and end up surviving. So, <clears throat> did you know Rick Flag dies? You might have missed it in the movie. Yeah, I know. I don't think they made it obvious enough that he died. <laughs> they were like, "All right, we're gonna stab him in the heart." No, 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 no. It needs. We need to. We need to know for sure that he's died. All right. Well, let's show a close up of the inside of his chest. This is and this really thing going into his heart and spraying blood out. This is really ground your gears into the whole like thing going into the heart. You have mentioned this so many times. This really got well, you. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, all right. So I am 100 percent okay with gratuitous violence in movies. I don't know what that says about me as a person. I'm just being honest. I'm okay with it. I don't, I'm okay with it. That being said, like, it gets to a point where, like, okay, all right, we get it. We get it. We get it. You know, you you like it. We get it. I love a chat. <laughs> and I feel like that was one of those points where, like, okay, we we didn't need that. But I love the chat right now. Fun fact: TDK dies too. Spoiler: Bruce Wayne and Batman. Honest, oh man! And log honestly, Flag and Boomerang were the only. Tr- true full shocks to me everyone else that died i was like huh there it was yeah, yeah honestly they were the only ones i knew for a fact weren't going to die like some of the death shocked me but the only ones i was like yeah they're probably going to survive was definitely idris elba and margot robbie like literally they were the only two i looked at where i was like yeah mm-hmm. yeah they went so far with the heart thing to fully solidify john cena as transforming to a baddie yeah i felt like that was to kind of just get him over of like how far he was willing to yeah. go for yeah which is obviously setting up for anyone who doesn't know there's a Peacemaker show coming to HBO Max starring him. Uh, so I think they were really trying to get him over of like the mentality he's going to have in that show and what to expect. Because that's the thing, Peacemaker is a is a bit of a funny character, but I think it was a bit of a... It was a, it was a juxtaposition to remind you of, like, these aren't good people. He's not a nice guy. He's not likable. Like, he's got this warped patriotic view, but... He is literally willing to do whatever mm-hmm. is asked of him for the good of his country yeah. and to keep the peace. It's like it's, um, but yeah. So back to our strip club, um, <laughs> the things you're going to hear often on this show. <laughs> back uh, to our strip club. <laughs> um, so yeah, they pretty much jump straight into it. Like I mean, like uh, Bloodsport goes right up, gun and they say like, okay, you're coming with us. Like pretty much off the bat. While they're doing that though, like the military show up. Oh, that's why they show up. I'm completely forgetting the other B story for this little bit. Harley Quinn's own side story. There's a Harley Quinn movie in the middle of this. The Suicide Squad movie <laughs> for a little bit. Um, So yeah, Harley Quinn basically uh, gets the javelin off of Javelin and gets taken captive and imprisoned by the guards that are there. Then, uh, basically gets taken out of there, all dolled up, put in a beautiful dress, all her makeup done, and goes to see the new El Presidente of mm-hmm. Corto Maltese, who has a gratuitous getting out of the pool with his abs glistening shot. Yeah. Just, you know, just to get over how sexy he is. Mm-hmm. And basically starts to woo Harley Quinn. And how much he loves her rebellious attitude against the oppressive American government and all this stuff. They have this big, massive, like... They make it look like this big, massive love affair as if this has gone on forever. And it's like less than a day. Like, it's like it's been hours, all this stuff happens. Um, 
the two of them end up doing all this stuff together, talking about, like, you end up sleeping together, he proposes and all this stuff. And then he ends up, I love the fact he ends up telling her about Jotunheim. Yeah. And all the men, women, and children that are sent there. Yeah, dude. This scene was, I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but it, I don't know if it was supposed to be hilarious. I think it was meant to be, and I'm like, I, I love it because it's totally Harley Quinn, though. Like, this is, yeah. like, I don't feel like, the first Suicide Squad movie properly captured her. And Birds of Prey, they kind of did it a little better, but the movie's so awful, how do you tell? Well, in this in this film, I was like, right around this this part of the movie, I was like, dude, this doesn't feel like Harley Quinn. She seems like a normal person, and then this happened, and I was like, oh, yeah. there she is. Got it. <laughs> she 100% shoots him. Not in the head, not in the heart, but shoots him in the gut. Yeah. So this guy has to like drag himself across the floor bleeding out well she gives a freaking monologue <laughs> about how she's got horrible taste in men and because of all the stuff from her previous relationship obviously being the joker she was yeah. going to look out for any red flags <clears throat> you know to show her that yeah. this is a wrong choice and killing kids is just a red flag <laughs> and i like and this guy is like in agony bleeding out and it's like it's just it's so funnily done and she just like rants at this guy and she's like why do you do it's like why don't you just leave harley and i'd be like why are you shouting at me and have this whole conversation where this guy's just dying <laughs> and it's like okay and then of course she gets locked up by his like second in command who becomes the new president um hold on i've got some chat going here yeah uh, oh really art Ratcatcher Two is meant to die. Yeah, I'd like. Don't get me wrong. I hate that Pokemon. Uh, Polka Dot Man dies. Pokemon. Pokemon. Uh, Polka Dot <laughs> Pokemon Man. Man. I hate that Polka Dot Man dies at the end. Is because probably one of my favorite characters. That's yeah, not my favorite. Too. Yeah. But I can't see Ratcatcher Two dying. That that I just been really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I honestly thought uh, Blood Bloodshot was gonna die. Honestly. Oh yeah, Bloodsport, yeah. It's, it, Bloodsport, that's it. I don't know why I, I keep messing it up. Yeah, I've done that as well, don't worry. Uh, phrases you hear quite frequently in Comics and Cross, now back to the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> I was this close to clipping that. Bo- I was totally... <laughs> I was the, like, that's probably not a good idea. PC gone mad, like I was totally body double for El Presidente in that scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Killing kids a red flag, absolutely. They actually captured the version of Harley Quinn, one from the side runs. Yeah. I think they've done a great job capturing Harley Quinn in this. It's definitely felt like her. Um, uh, 2016 I mean yeah absolutely and yeah, blame Anakin Skywalker for killing kids always so the fact that Harley killed lots of kids at one time in one of the Batman comp absolutely it's true really at the very least she was probably you know was like you know assisted with it thanks to the Joker but in this version of like in this timeline, she didn't. In this this version of Harley Quinn didn't kill kids. Um, so she ends up getting imprisoned, and his like second in command takes over, um, and she ends up do- trying to escape. She gets uh, chained up, and she's getting electrocuted by one of the guys, um, and apparently did a stunt herself, like the whole like getting out of the padlock in this. Apparently, she actually did this, which is very okay. impressive. Extremely um, impressive. <clears throat> she basically fakes being unconscious. Uh, chokes out the guy with her legs snaps his neck and then like walks her feet along him to get the key lifts herself upside down to unlock it with her feet um, and then starts to bust out of that place 
while she's doing all of this with her other team um, basically they send people to go and see if there's any other Americans because of what she's done uh, killing the president so they invade the strip club so uh, Thinker gets given to like Ratcatcher 2 and Polka Dot Man and stuff while Bloodsport, Peacemaker and uh, Flag all basically take on the guards and get captured and get imprisoned in what is probably one of the coolest scenes ever of the three of them in the back of this truck uh, Bloodsport asks for a cigarette and then starts telling them about the what was it like the death punch or the death touch or something like that That's and so the different funny. names for it and like this one touch that can kill someone and they're like yeah but you have to be so precise with it nobody can be accurate with it and he's like yeah that's what they say who amateurs and they go on one one and all three of them smack these guys and kill them all in one shot and it was such an awesome scene and yeah. then you get like peacemaker shoots one of the guys that's driving the other guy's trying to drive the car and steering it all over the place he's got his hand through the hole he made like literally grabbing the guy's head smashing it off stuff and then they end up rolling down this hill and somehow walk out the back of this thing to get picked with john up. cena wearing a baby gap t- uh polo that's hilarious like, I love that the three that walk out of there, like, there is no way. The three you want to seat belted in or anything, like, there's no way you're walking out of there with I was, no injuries. Like, that's... I was I was fully expecting John Cena to walk out of the back of that vehicle without an arm. <laughs> like, for real. Yeah, and just be completely okay with the fact that he yeah. doesn't have yeah. one as well. Yeah. It was like, okay, yeah, this is nuts, man. Um, But yeah, so they get out of there and they decide the next operation is they need to go get Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm because they found out she's still alive so as they're going to break her out and do her whole thing they're like scoping the place out they're ready to make their move harley quinn is making her breakout guns blazing which i love this scene as well because i love at least especially the opening part of it like with the handguns and stuff because mm-hmm. it's so easy to think of her as like as crazy and ditzy and yeah she's a psychiatrist but that's it yeah look bird mm-hmm um, but like she is dangerous yeah. she is fully trained and dangerous with weapons she is a killer Yeah, she does it with a very nonchalant jokey attitude but mm-hmm. she can go and this scene was amazing the handguns taking out people phenomenal I loved the scene where it was the, the grates either side of her in the mm-hmm. gun room and yeah. just like smashing through them all like it so, just it really got over like the fact of like she can get it done. This all right, so this is I know you and I again had a conversation about this. This is this this is another one of the the things that kind of stood out to me that I had that maybe slight issue with was when she was going down the hallway and you started seeing these cartoon characters appear on the walls and flowers shoot behind her. And I am all about artistic expression in movies, obviously. I love that. Um and I love people taking chances and stuff and especially with her obviously she has a history of mental illness so that was probably what she was seeing at the at the moment but i feel like there needed to be a little bit of context there more than just everybody knows that she has mental issues you know what i'm saying i've um in order to kind of like sell that visual that they were trying to portray i don't know for me it took me out of the movie just a tad it was a little bit yeah, very weird. I kind of agree with that. It's supposed to show her mental state, and I, I very much took it as a case of it was almost like Deadpool's pool vision, 
when mm-hmm. he starts saying random crap and starts saying stuff that you know that isn't quite there to show that he's not mm-hmm. totally mentally with it yeah. and i'm fully for that showing her like if that's her mental state and how you're showing like she's seeing all this random crap and it would actually fit her very well to see all this random stuff and all these happy lovely flowers and cartoon birds while she's like completely murdering people mm-hmm. the problem is kind of like you of like that I don't think it bothers me as much as it bothers you, but like I do get it's not been established prior to this. Yeah. That this is something that happens and it's not ever brought up again. So yeah. it just feels like a random scene. Well and and I get why they were doing it, right? I oh, understand yeah, why they were doing it. But they have never alluded to anything like that in any other movie with her in it. And not they in didn't the first do it after squad, that. Not in Birds of Prey and yeah. not in any other like, point in this movie. There's no context for and I know I'm I'm super nitpicking, I'm sorry, but that's what we do. Um, there's no context given for that, and I think that's why it kind of took me out a little bit. Yeah. Oh no, we're super paying attention to it, Red. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's not like we're not paying attention to the scene and what they're trying to do with it. I completely understand. Again, it just it feels like it's completely out of nowhere. If that's what you're trying to do and show her mental state and all that sort of stuff, it's like. And there's some in the Birds of Prey too. I completely missed that. Then, like, I've watched these yeah, movies. And, like, I did I, too. I've not seen any of that stuff. I've watched this movie yeah. twice through, and like, I did not see that in any other scene. Where she's seeing stuff like that. It's like it doesn't pop up. By all means, check it in our Discord or whatever if there's clips or anything of it. But like, yeah, yeah I, I didn't see anything else and it took me completely I missed it too, so. out of it. And it's like it just felt really random and really. But to be, to be fair, I thought Birds of Prey was an awful movie. So. Oh, it is. It is an awful <laughs> movie. Um, so we get them basically looking to take everyone out. Um, the rats are checking out the floor via Rat Catcher. We've got Peacekeeper with his gun trained on the poor secretary that's working on the third floor. We've got King Shark watching his great nemesis, Bird. Bird. Um, I love that that's Sylvester Stallone. I mean, can he get a shout out? That was awesome. It's like, you're welcome to be wrong, Nitro. It's like, no, we are not wrong, Red. That is an awful <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I'll, a, I'll die. I'll, I will die on that hill to quote Locke. Like Birds of Prey is, like, a, is a not movie. a good movie. It is badly done. Even the Harley Quinn stuff in that is not the best. It's like this does the Harley Quinn stuff way better, you know. Um, but yeah, so they go to start scaling the building. Bloodsport gets a little bit up it, and Harley, who was about to take a taxi away, sees them and walks up to them. <laughs> and they basically tell her, like, yeah, we were about to break you out, and she gets so emotional. It's so funny. They're like, you're going to come and save me? It's like, well, I can go back up there. And it's like, you know, Bloodsport's like, don't be patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> he starts slowly coming back down. Um, yeah, the hyena was cool in Birds of Prey ads. That's about it, Bruce. Um, but yeah, so we then head off into what the to our basically big third act as we head to Jotunheim, where Thinker has to drive them in, get them past the guards. Um, as they get up to Jotunheim, it starts to rain, so we get that really stylized shot of the rain with like the shine off of it, creating this like white glow. That they yeah. use for cover. For my photography friends, uh, they just said, "How much exposure do you want in the shot?" And James Gunn went, "Yes." <laughs> yeah, when, when how much exposure do you want? All the exposure, <laughs> all of it. And um, when all exposure, they start taking out the guys, make their way inside. The... I love, <laughs> I love the music. Think it again. They're smashing his face off the thing, off the eye scanner. He's like, "Hey," <laughs> I forgot what he said. 
Um, but yeah, so it's like that. So they get in there, um, close the blast doors, they smash the thing, close the blast doors on the inside using his code, and then they split off. So Rick Flag and Ratcatcher 2 go with Thinker um, to go and look at actual Project Starfish, while the rest of them all go to plant explosives. And it was really cool watching this scene back because watching this scene back when you know what's going to happen, like with Peacemaker, when you know the turn he's going to make, you actually start to see little things. Mm-hmm. Like you see him like saying like he's going to go with them because he doesn't trust the thinker. And mm-hmm. then also as well, like the fact of like he's helping plant bombs and we get that scene with him and King Shark. Mm-hmm. And King Shark makes like the plastic explosive that looks like him. Yeah. And when he starts pushing it against the wall, he turns around and he's just gone. Yeah, and it looks like just a scene of like that. Oh well, he's just left King Shark, but you realise the next scene we see him in is up at Starro. Yeah, so like, you get to see like little things like that kind of setting up. I, d- I do love how King Shark just kind of wanders. I think that's freaking hilarious because he does it a couple times in the movie. He just kind of wanders off. He wanders <laughs> off. And it's like then also as well, there's bits where he just sits still. Like I love the fit back when they did it, like the did it at the strip club, and it's like he's in the back of the van just sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting, chilling. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with Locke. Like, when, oh, when yeah. King, King Strike ripped that dude in half, I was like, yes. But yeah, like I th- honestly thought when he went up to that dude, I thought he was just going to eat him. I thought he was just going to yeah. eat him like he does with the rest, and then just goes, rip. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, he just ripped the dude in half. Yeah. Maybe it was basically an issue of Harley's comic runs at the time. Fair enough, Fred. Right, I. I just no. wasn't a fan of the movie, honestly. I was going to say, I could get into a whole rant about Birds of Prey. I don't want to go too far off topic with it. And it's like, I just think they've done dirty to pretty much every character. And they basically screwed it over by saying it's a Birds of Prey movie when it was actually just like, a, it's a Harley Quinn movie, but we're going to shoehorn in all these other characters. Yeah. I feel like they messed up a bunch of the other characters and did not do them justice, most specifically mm-hmm. uh, Cassandra Kane. And then, of course, you've got Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. And I'd, Such a waste. What the heck you did with him? I'm like, that wasn't Black Mask. Yeah. And you're using Ewan McGregor. How do you screw that up? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like in Harley Quinn, I'm like, yeah, she was passable in this. I think in this movie, mm-hmm. she was so much better and a lot more on point. That's personally for me. But I, I think Birds of Prey is one of their... It's hard to say one of the DCU's worst movies, but... Yeah, I feel like so. Not to continue this line of conversation, but like Captain Marvel is probably one of the few Marvel movies I don't own, just because I didn't really, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. Um, Birds of Prey is one I don't own of uh, DC again for the same yeah. reason. I just don't think it's that great of a movie, honestly. No, I don't think it was. I don't think. I think you could literally, you know, watch through these the DCEU movies and avoid that, and I don't think you're going to miss anything. Yeah, agreed. You know, that's that's just my personal take on it. But yeah, I'm not a fan of Birds of Prey. Not even as like a, not even as a popcorn film to sit and watch. Like this is a popcorn film. Sit down and watch. It's not perfect, but it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like Birds of Prey, no, yeah. not not in my opinion. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but yeah, so we get to Jotunheim. We get up to Project Starro, and they get their first look at the Starro. But most of the DCEU movies being awful. Absolutely, you can definitely see that red beard. Most of them are not watchable. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so they get up to there, to Project Starfish. We see all, like, so many people with Starfish on their face. So many people that have been, like, taken over by Starro. Um, and at first, Starro thinks they're there to possibly, like, take out Thinker and save him. And it's like, no. He tells him, no, they're here to kill you. Yeah. 
but um, then we get a what? nice little gross scene as well of like operations that have taken place on some of them. There's a dude mm. there that's like got no lower body. Yeah. We've got one who the starfish has mostly been ripped off. Just some of the tendrils are still touching and moving it, and like yeah. literally their face is gone. Like the yeah. starfish had embedded in it. And we get our first kind of glimpse of how big Starro is after 30 years of being trapped He's there. Hundreds of feet tall. And then Thinker unleashes like the big kind of twist for this of that you get with stuff for Suicide Quad because they never get the full story initially. And the big yeah. twist for this one was they're actually there to blow the place up to, hi- to cover up the US's involvement in it. He mm. tells them because the US government is actually behind Project Starfish, they just don't like operating on doing it on US soil and making it obvious yeah. that they're doing it and now yeah. these people aren't going to be allies to us and they're going to try and use it against us so we're going to blow it up and that leads to Rick Flag trying to steal the hard drive and basically like he's going to show it to the people and stuff as isn't what he signed up for mm-hmm. which I'm like okay which I, I kind of like with you like, I don't feel like it was a build up for Rick Flag to all of a sudden go gung ho hero yeah. Um, sort of at that point, but then we get the whole stuff with him and Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Peacemaker, who's obviously got a secondary mission that we find out is to basically make sure that hard drive, that information gets buried there. And um, he's like the only one that really knew the full extent of it. Yeah. Um. So they go to take on each other, and the ceiling collapses on them. And Staros things smashed open. He sends his tendrils in and pulls in Thinker, who gets ripped and gets his arm and leg ripped off, and then the rest of them get slammed against the window and splatters. Like it's a pretty like boom. <laughs> There's no physical stuff left. He is literally just a splosh on the window of blood. I mean, speaking of Thinker, like I, I, I find myself last night after the movie saying i don't feel like there was a ton like he didn't do a ton in the movie but the more i thought about it the more like i you know i feel like there was some good character development from here i i feel like i just wish there was more of him i feel like it was there should have been more of him but i feel like it was mostly backstory to him it was setting up someone who's believable that could have been doing this someone who's highly intelligent that's been pushing these experiments for 30 years and trying to do this he was a good choice for that agreed um and at the same time i don't think like I think it's the best choice for someone like that. I can't think of another character to really take over unless it's just a random. Yeah. And him being part of the Suicide Squad itself wouldn't have made as much sense because there was nothing much to do. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I enjoyed this version of the Thinker as well, Redbeard. I like. I kind of like Devos in the Flash. I thought it was an interesting take on it, but like I did like Peter Capaldi's Thinker. He's very. He seemed very megalomaniac. Like he was quite happy and content being. The intelligent man who saw himself as higher than everything else mm. but like doing these horrible experiments and not really caring for the people and um, but yeah so the whole ceiling collapses in and then and then we get like eight minutes earlier and what everyone else is up to which has to be some of the best scenes like in Jotunheim is all the stuff that's going on as they go to plant bombs higher up Dude, that's so funny it's so funny and we get King Shark's wandering off scene as he as he finds a random that's a question as well like that's like why is there a random aquarium with these like terrifying little jellyfish things in it just no clue Jotunheim is literally built to hold Starro why are these things here what are they there is no explanation they're just there Um, and he thinks he's made some friends he 
he moves his hands up and this whole bunch of them come over they make the shape of him he does like little jumps and they follow him and then he starts running and they're all running with him it's all very cute um, while they're doing that um, they're heading through some of the lower levels of the building the Blissport, Harley Quinn Polka Dot Man and Milton who I'm it's not just been a tag along who helped them get on the base yeah who just came in with them like when they were on the <laughs> bus and I'm like why the heck are you here <laughs> And uh, Redbeard called it out earlier. That hmm. was a callback to a Deadpool 2 moment. Is that what you said, Redbeard? <coughs> Anyways, sorry. I remember I comment back. No worries. Um, so, yeah, so we get that shot, and then um, they get attacked. Milton gets gunned down. Um, and all the fact they all duck into, like, cubicles. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking, was, like, the whole thing with Peter. Like, just this random tag-along guy. I absolutely thought of um, oh, Peter from okay, Deadpool I get 2. It. 100% I thought of that. Um, Milton gets, like, destroyed. Polka Dot Man avoids it because he drops some of the stuff, some of the bombs. And Ben's starting to pick it up, and him, Harley Quinn, and Bloodsport all, like, duck into cubicles. And they all just sit quiet for a bit in Bloodsport, like... Has anyone got any eyes and ears on them? And he's like, they killed Milton! <laughs> Milton was with us! Who's Milton? <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, who's Milton? Like, Milton, he's been with us since the beginning! It's like, I, I'm sure I'd remember if there was a Milton. It's like that, and Bloodsworth's like, where did you think Milton was? It's like, I thought he was just still back at the bus. And it's like, and I love Polka Dot Mag is so, like, frustrated with Harley Quinn stands up. It's like that. It's like, he's been with us. He's been helping us. He just sacrificed himself. <laughs> he's getting so infuriated that they don't know who he is. And then they look at him and like, ah, oh, oh, Milton. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were Milton. That's right. Oh, yeah, at the end, she thinks it's freaking blood sport. Um, but yeah, more guards come in. They start to take them down. And Polka Dot Man, like, launches his Polka Dots. And one of them basically sets off one of the bombs, which sets off a chain reaction and all the explosives, blowing the place way sooner than they're meant to. Mm-hmm. Which leads to uh, King Shark at the tank getting flooded into the level that they're on and getting flooded right out of the building. Um, after he gets eaten almost by by his new friends, yeah. they all start they're to like- hover around him in the water, and then it's like they all like lift their the bottom size up, and there's like all these sharp teeth, and they all start jumping on him. <laughs> And they actually penetrate his skin, which nothing else has been able to yeah, do Yeah, they start so to far. penetrate his skin, and then it's like the water bursts out of the building. He it looks like he's, like, seriously in trouble, though, in that scene. Because there's just, like, a well of, of like, red water. Well, yeah, because it looks like he's under. getting attacked. It looks like he's it's breaking through his skin, and then he falls yeah. from the building to the ground. All these things die because they're out of water. And then he's just lying down there and just takes this non-stop barrage of bullets. Yeah. And then gets the, up. The, the, that army is out there trying to <coughs> corner, corner the Suicide Squad. Yeah, they all came to the outside. That's why they blocked off the building. So they all start opening fire on him. To which point he just stands up and annihilates them. Uh, Bloodsport, Harley Quinn, Polka Dot Man all rush to the far side of the building. Yeah, we'll be able to take a drink. Not a coffee, something. A little bit of water. Um... So they all make a jump before the building falls. Polka Dot Man hits a, a pole that's sticking out. Harley Quinn manages to catch on with her uh, javelin that she's still got with her. 
and Bloodsport does the most comic book landing ever as he lands on a bit of flooring after it crashes. I'm like, how did just... his legs not snap? Which that first one, like the rest of them, okay, it wasn't that far yeah. at all. That first one, that first one, no. he fell like thirty feet and landed on his feet. I'm yeah, like, no his way. Legs should have snapped on that landing. I don't care what he's wearing to help him. Like that was no, you're done. Yeah, and it's like yeah, just boom through all the floors. <clears throat> he's doing all of that, of course. Um, while John Cena, Peacemaker, starts fighting with Rick Flag over the hard drive, and I really I, beating the brakes. Which off I'd like to point out, I really love that stylized shot, like the first part of that when it's going round like Peacekeeper's helmet, mm-hmm. watching the oh, fight yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah, That's so yeah. cool. It's so well done. Yeah, that I shot, agree. I love that shot. Uh, they and they beat the snot at each other. The two of them go at it. Yeah, yeah. Rick Flag wrecked. gets in his gets in his licks too, though. Yeah, like it's not like totally one sided. Oh yeah, Rick Flag wrecks him. Peacemaker wrecks him back. They are wrecking each other. And um, while this has happened, this happens after Starro tried to reach through that area to get to Ratcatcher, and she's crawled through a little hole following Sebastian. And um, but they beat each other, and eventually, like he's like he has a pipe that he's choking Peacemaker out with, and then Peacemaker yeah. grabs a bit of. Uh, I don't know, but I was a toilet. A piece of tile. Yeah, yeah it like, like a, a tile. tile or something like that. Because I'm in the, like, the bathroom area and it's like they smashed it up. And he just stabs him in the heart. Goes right in. Kills him. When he throws right flag off, he gets up and turns around and Ratcatcher 2 is like staring at him. Yeah. And she then grabs the hard drive and runs. He goes after her. Um, and she goes through an area that's been destroyed pretty much and falls right at the edge of the cliff and he pulls out his gun on her. And she's like, "Why don't you just destroy it? Why don't you? Why do you need to kill me?" It's like, "Cause I'm thorough." Yeah, that was chilling when he said that, though. And it's like, it's like, dang! And like, see, I love that though because we're really playing in the fact of like that. Yeah, this guy, like, yeah, there's some comedic stuff he says. It can't seem over the top, but like, no, he is bad. He is. Well, like, I, I think they do a really good job, and maybe it's just me. I might be reading too much into it, but there's some there's some subtext to that. Him saying that that he might not a hundred percent believe in what he's doing yes yeah, I, like, I think that's i think that is part of it though the fact like he says this stuff is maybe also that he's convincing himself but at the same time yeah. it's also uh he's willing to go above and beyond like yeah. even if i disagree yeah. with it like no this has to be done well because like even when he's obviously murdering rick flag you can see it on his face he's like um this is i probably shouldn't be doing this yeah it's like he'd really, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this <laughs> yeah like he'd really rather not do it like and he even kind of hints at that when he tells him just to hand it over like he doesn't want to kill him it's like yeah. I'd, I'd rather you just handed it over and we just destroyed it mm-hmm. and we just move on like this is what has to be done it's not necessarily what i want to do yeah but as he's standing over rat catcher blood sport makes his final landing after his 53 floors that he's fallen on and stares him down and he sees him like over rat catcher so he of course pulls out his itty bitty gun. Mm-hmm. Um, his peacemaker holds up his massive gun, shoots, and we get a call back to the whole smaller bullets line when Bloodsport's bullet literally pierces and blows up that bullet, like eradicates it, yeah. and then shoots through Peacemaker's neck. And he's like, "That's like how like smaller bullets." <laughs> it's like you were joking about it. I actually have them. And he collapses, looking to be fully dead, which I'm not going to lie, going into this movie, I fully expected, I know there's an HBO Max show coming, mm-hmm. I fully expected that HBO Max show to be a prequel. Yeah. And I 100% expected that Peacemaker was going to die in this movie. 
I had a feeling he was going to die. And spoilers for the other end credit scene, he doesn't. He's picked I up. I totally missed the end credits. He's picked up by the government right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, is in the hospital, and you see members of like Waller's squad that were working in the room with her, saying that they've brought him, that they've got a mission for him. So it's clearly like next coming up is going to be the Peacemaker series for him. So that's two people that looked like they were dead in this movie: Weasel and Peacemaker, that actually survive in the end credit scenes. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Redbeard. Like he very clearly believes that. Not necessarily like what he's doing has to be the right thing, but he believes that he has to follow the orders. He believes the orders are the right choice no matter what. We do need more Lobo. Absolutely, Red. I'm all for a Lobo series. Bring me some Lobo and I will quite happily watch that. He deserves an HBO Max series. <clears throat> so, the team kind of gather together again um, and make their way out of the building because now Star was free and is starting to make his way out and smashes through the building. Um, we then get Starro's whole thing of his first takeover, takes over all the army dudes um, and starts making his way towards the city because that's what Starro does he wreaks havoc, he conquers and this is also a revenge thing for being locked up for 30 years because of course he will, why wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad basically are able to get in touch with Amanda Waller again at that point Um, the comms have been kind of down partially from a blocker and it's now free and she tells them to leave them alone they're no longer an ally of the US they've taken care of what they had to so they can get out of there so they're all about to walk away from it, they're all about to take off Bloodsport starts walking away and they start to follow and then you see Bloodsport just kind of stopping himself Yeah, and it's like he can't just let it go and he's like and he starts heading in and then one by one they all start to kind of go with him mm-hmm. with Waller screaming down their earpieces that she's going to blow them up every the first bo- word you can think of <laughs> and she even gets it, she unlocks the box she lifts his switch and is literally about to press the button and then one of the members in, working in her office Jeez. smacks her in the back wraps, wraps a metal pipe around her face back of her head is smashed in with this pipe and then the team just jump on helping the Suicide Squad to like take this out. And um, as they're heading that way, we see Starro's like starts to take over the town. Like he has got hundreds, if not thousands, of people already like under his control. I'm sorry, uh, Locke. I was singing that in my head as I was reading that. Make him a way downtown. Bases lashed, <laughs> building smash. He's Starro. That's awesome. I had to call it out. I love that. That's amazing. Um, but so they head down basically to take on Starro. Um, Bloodsport does his whole like bring out the big gun, the one that you see for the trailers with the spinning end on it. Like, I love how he's just grabbing pieces of his suit and just keeps sticking it onto the gun. Like adding stuff, starts blasting at Starro. Does nothing. Not a thing. Except annoys him. <clears throat> Starro starts coming at them in the regroup, so Harley Quinn goes up top and Nom Nom for King Shark. So he jumps and tries to like chew on him and then he Nom Nom? And then he tells Abner, Polka Dot Man, that it's his mom. And he unleashes his polka dots and like almost cuts through one of his 
one of his arms his arms yeah. starfish have which he sees Tentacles, it as like ripping maybe? through his his mom's like leg yeah and, like, and he's so proud of himself. I'm a superhero. I'm a superhero. I'm a mother effing soup smash. As one, one of the, of the tentacles, tentacles just... squishes him. Yeah, I was bummed about I that. I was so upset that he died. I loved Polka Dot Man. He was such a good character. <clears throat> I wanted him to survive so much. He was so bat crap crazy, oh. but they made it so believable. Like him as a character, like his powers and stuff like that. It was so I enjoyable. Really I thought he was so well done. Mm-hmm. But then Staros has to fight back, so he takes out the roof that Harley Quinn's on. He launches um, King Shark into a building. Um, we see all like the drones of Staros starting to come in. And it's... I'm not going to lie. It's such a cool scene. Just watching freaking like, Bloodsport go off just for like two minutes straight. Yeah, yeah, that Just was like really shooting cool. and pulling out swords and pulling out other guns and pulling out flamethrowers and just like going off on these guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, like 100%. Like, you want to compare like Will Smith's Deadshot to Idris Elba's Bloodsport? I'm like, Bloodsport, yeah. Bloodsport is a nothing character. He is like a zealous character. He's not a known character in the least. Mm-hmm. And you made me a fan. Because of the way that you wrote him and cast Idris Elba as him. Oh yeah, absolutely, Redbeard. That was an amazing ending for him to go out for Polka Dot Man, though. Like, getting to do some real damage and basically be a superhero. Like, he, his mom always wanted him to be, and I'm guessing probably deep down he always wanted to be as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just, yeah. Just a suck that he had to go out, though. But it made more sense, like, if we talked earlier, like, between him and Ratcatcher, like, it made more sense for Polka Dot Man to go a rat catcher going out would have been no I, I don't think that would have went over well at all especially with the connection we had on Bloodsport alright so one of the things that I didn't I'm, I'm reading um, Deadshot not Deadshot good grief Bloodsport's wiki and one thing that I wasn't quite following was how his weapons were working in the movie because it seemed really weird to me how his weapon just kind of formed almost like Iron Man's armor in Endgame yeah but apparently he can teleport material to make a weapon um, with that device on his gun. He can instantly teleport stuff to build a bigger weapon. That which I did sense. not know. That makes sense then. Yeah. Oh yeah, we never even got into that lock about the reason he was in prison in the first place was they put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite yeah. bullet. Yeah. And I'm like, that's one way to make him legit. The man put Superman in the ICU and I'm like, yeah, he should have been taking a lot more freaking seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's like this guy took out Superman. I'm like, yes, absolutely. But I love that then Ratcatcher comes in clutch at the end and um, calling all the rats with the whole line of like that. It's not your city. It's not our city. It's their city. Mm-hmm. And all the rats absolutely mop him like thousands, if not millions, of rats mm-hmm. just pour out onto him she's a little bit of an ass because she just lets him run over blood sport while he's like curled up at least she's she's hugging him she's showing him physical <coughs> she's touch. trying to show him like compassion and i'm like you could literally make them run around him I'm like i'm sorry i'm not gonna let that go like, that is true that is like, true you can control rats you can make them run around him um they all that start to overrun star start to like get him while he's distracted hardly comes back into play knowing exactly what she's meant to do with the javelin runs jumps off the rooftops and pierces her way into Staro's eye. That's such a cool scene, man. I'm like, 
see when you think about what she actually did is like it kind of makes my skin crawl it's like, oh yeah in the eye yeah. oh yeah. and then to make it worse all the rats start pouring in and you get this really artsy stylized scene of like this underwater shot of harley quinn just floating with all these rats floating by her and it's like it's really pretty all the blues and all this and the light coming in through his eye until you stop and think about she is inside his eye full of rats who have swam their way in and are now chewing their way through the back of his eye into his body and eating him alive yeah i'm like and the, the water's all starting to turn red it's like it's absolutely amazingly beautiful and artistic while being yeah. horrifyingly gross and graphic yeah. at the same time it yeah. is something that it's, i think james Dunn cool does scene. well yeah it's such a cool <coughs> scene and it's a really cool unique way to dispatch Starro. yeah it was it was such a good job and that obviously takes him out and when he goes down all the drones go down and stuff it was so well done absolutely phenomenal choice for a villain for this movie and a really realistic way that he's taken out as well like it makes sense to take him out this way like it was a good choice it wasn't like a two over the top or anything but um yeah so he gets taken out and uh bloodsport makes the deal with waller like this stuff all the information they've got on project starfish is on a secure drive so we're going to go our own ways. You're not going to set off the bombs. You're not going to bring us back to prison. You're going to let the rest of us go free. And we're going to take off out of here. And as long as nothing happens to any of us, that information will stay safe and secure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so you get, like, King Shark shows up again. Mm-hmm. He's managed to pull himself out of the building and Ratcatcher goes to see him. And you get this nice moment as well with um, Harley Quinn and uh, Bloodsport. Just talking, because she kind of gives him a look like and he's like, well, it's like, look, I know Flag wanted to give this stuff away, but we just saved the whole country. Yeah. Like, we can't have everything. And yeah. she's like, Rick Flag was my friend. And he's like, well, he was mine too. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice, sweet little bonding moment. Agreed. Like, both because they were both friends with Rick Flag. They both knew him well. And then there's that great moment of like, that's like, I could be your friend, Milton. Not my, <laughs> not my name. Wait, we just had this conversation. We just had a three-hour conversation talking about how it was your name. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I love it though because there's elements of humor in it like that, and it's like it does yeah. have humorous elements, but at the same time, it's not overly comedic, mm-hmm. which I think works for it. Because like I've said this to you, like for me, like Suicide Squad should play like a version of Guardians of the Galaxy. It should be an R-rated yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. It should mm-hmm. be humorous, it should be jokey with also graphic and horrific stuff that you don't quite know whether to be horrified at or to laugh at. And yeah, that's, yeah. James Gunn has got the perfect tone for this movie. This is what mm-hmm. he does well, and he proved that with Guardians. And it's I like, would I agree. Th- I think he's definitely the right person for, for this. And I think it came across, because this is never going to be high art. This is never going to be Oscar-worthy storytelling. This is never going to mm-hmm. be Zack Snyder's Justice League level. It's not meant yeah. to be. This is meant yeah. to be a popcorn action movie a good story to keep it together but it's meant to be a fun action film Mm -hmm. and we get to see them all just going off happy in a helicopter we get picked up and we get like a what's the face rat catcher lying against king shark just resting harley quinn and 
Bloodsport's smiling at each other and she kind of starts to rest and then he looks down Sebastian's on his leg as we talked about earlier he like tenses up immediately That's and then like calmly like tries to start petting this cute little rat who has been giving him gifts and trying to wave at him and be sweet to him and he's just curled up on his leg and it's like oh that's a story arc I did not realize I wanted in Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's so funny. But it's amazing, and I love it. It's so good. And that's it. And then, yeah, we talked about the end credit scenes. Nothing major from it. The first one is just a, a hint that Weasel's still alive. He survives somehow, <laughs> drowning, and ends up wandering off into Corto Maltese. And then the very end credit one is Peacemaker's still alive, and he's still recruited by the U.S. government. Yeah. Probably still by Wallet as well, just in a separate role from Task Force X. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the Suicide that's Squad. That was the movie. This movie was so good. It was a lot of fun. The more we <laughs> talked about it today, the more I'm, I'm remembering that I, I really did like it. But <laughs> there's my wife popping in as well. Sean Gunn is doing more animation suit acting, but he'll always be Kirk to me from Gilmore Girls. Yes, I agree. I've seen Gilmore Girls at least three times with my wife. I would agree. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen the whole thing with my wife. We've we've watched through it all. Um, but yeah, it's like actually actually a good shout out for Sean Gunn as well. He had two small roles in this, but he got to play two separate characters. One of them, one hundred percent mocap stuff, which he's done yeah. before. He done he played the on screen rocket and got in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so shout out to him as well doing mocap again for playing Weasel. Mm. That awesome. But I'm glad we got to see him on screen as Calendar Man as well, just even briefly. The dude's, a, the dude's an amazing actor. He's well worth like doing comedy stuff and that. He doesn't get enough yeah. credit for the stuff he does. He's awesome. Yeah. He is great. <clears throat> great. But So, overall thoughts on the movie then? Now I went through it. What did you... Overall thoughts on James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? So, <laughs> I retract my statement from last night. Uh, the 2016 is not better. What, you didn't think David Ayers was better? <laughs> I really did like this one, and you, you made a really good point. I think, tonistically, James Gunn is the best person for this type of movie. Um, I still believe there were some missteps mm-hmm. as far as the consistency in the tone. And that's why it's not as high as it may be in somebody in, in, in other people's books, which is totally cool. I don't think, like as far as DCEU ranking, it's definitely not my top movie, but it's up in the top. Yeah, uh, I think Man of Steel and I think the, the Snyder Cut for me are top two. Um, and maybe this one is right under that with Shazam somewhere in there. So yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That definitely ranks high in my movies. I don't think it's my top DCEU movie, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree because I mean, <laughs> what are your alternatives? You have Birds of Prey, you have Aquaman, you have Wonder Woman. All, in my opinion, either bad or meh, you know. Yeah, it's like um, it's it's definitely up there. It's definitely top five. One hundred percent in DCEU movies, at least. And um, maybe like fairly, maybe in midway, maybe in top three, even depending on mm-hmm. what mood I'm in. Um, there's definitely some missteps in this for me. I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm not a big fan of James Gunn's comedy a lot of the time when he's allowed to go uh, all out. When he's got a, when he's got a collar on him, like with Guardians, I think it works. But at the same time, like I am not a fan of of stuff like I, I mean I mentioned to you last night one of the first ones I remember watching it was a big James Gunn one that I watched was Slither also starring mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion and Michael Rooker mm-hmm. who shout out to them they've been in pretty much every movie he's ever directed <laughs> both of them at least in small parts yeah um, <clears throat> I that was hailed as this big like horror comedy like Shaun of the Dead and I'm like it's it's so bland forgettable 
Yeah. It's not even close to Shaun of the Dead, and it's like, I, I'm I mean, not... And don't get me wrong, if you're a fan of James Gunn's comedy stuff, if you like the comedy he does, especially when he's allowed to be fully R-rated and out there, then <clears throat> by all means... We say it all the time with comic books, like, not everything is going to be everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone's going to enjoy the same stuff as each other. If some people, this is their favourite DCEU movie, and this is the best movie DC's put out, and it's 10 out of 10, more power to you. Enjoy that. It's, I enjoyed it, but it's not that high ranked for me as those. Um, yeah, his, his humour does get, like, I, I'm a dude, so I love juvenile humour. Alright? But it can get a little too much at times, so I, I would agree with you. Yeah, like some of the comments in this, you can clearly tell we're meant to be funny, and it's like, they, and I was even saying to you before, and they just didn't come across funny to me. Yeah. I just kind of like, you just mentioned it, and I'm like, that's what that's what a 10 year old would say that they think's funny. But, you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's not a good comedy written bit, but that's just me for some of it. If you fully laughed your head off at it, by all means, I'm not trying to insult or anything. I'm just saying from my perspective and what I feel on it. Um. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, it's like overall though, I fully enjoyed this movie. Like I, I happily watched it again last night. I watched it. Definitely when I want first, to watch it again. Yeah, I watched it when it first came out, and I watched it again last night just to prep for today and stuff, and just to rewatch it and get a second viewing on it because I think mm-hmm. that's important to always do. Yeah. Um. But I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I yeah. liked this movie. I thought it was good. It's definitely up there. It's definitely better than David Ayer's. And you know, I mean, I'm probably gonna end up eating my words on this one, like I did with the freaking Snyder cut, but. A lot of people are still calling for the air cut, and I don't think we're going to get it. And the reason I don't, th- the reason I don't think we're going to get it with this one, though, is because after Justice League, it stopped. We didn't get a continuation. We didn't get to see a lot of these characters back again. We now have a new Suicide Squad movie, and it's getting really highly acclaimed. I don't think Warner Brothers is going to see a point. Like, why would we go back and release the air cut? Because yeah, even if this is proof, and I saw people saying, well, this is proof that Warner Brothers should just let their directors do the movies, which I fully agree with. Let them do it. They clearly know what they're doing. But I don't think they're going to see point in putting money into making an air cut for release mm-hmm. when they could just do a sequel to this with James Gunn at the helm again and try and get another yeah. banger out of it. Like I don't, yeah. I don't see it. The difference with Justice League was there was no sequel. Like it was almost like the DCEU came to a stop, and we were like, are we still doing the DCEU? We don't even know. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> with us we're still you need a Kevin Feige man how many times yeah. we gotta say this DC if you're listening you need a Kevin Feige oh yeah we know DC always listens to the, the podcast absolutely um, let's see what's wifey saying the Scott Parsons podcast Sean talks about him and his brother and how they got involved in the more action superhero acting Sean never imagined him getting involved in something so big he thought he would be his biggest yeah I mean that's it they've done tons of stuff together it's like but 100% like yeah they're they're doing awesome in these movies like Sean Gunn honestly doesn't get enough credit for the stuff he does mm-hmm. yeah I'm with you the whole yeah absolutely that one the lowbrow humour log is like definitely had some good funny points kind of like what you're saying they're like yeah. the beach um, comment and stuff like absolutely <laughs> it's like what in the world but yeah like there's other stuff where he's talking about stuff where it's kind of like I don't know if that that fits like this I'm like it's, it's not funny some of it i'm like yeah, other, yeah but then again other bits i'm like that i'm completely rolling i'm like that's what in the world like it's just so bizarre and out there it just has to be comical you know but yeah i think that's it i think we're awesome. wrapped up for suicide score thank you for everyone. Again, i'm gonna watch it again this week man <clears throat> yeah thank you for everyone who joined us for that 
Thank you so much for everyone who's came and hung out with us today. Join me for the Good Morning Guys tomorrow. And join Nitro on Tuesday night at 8.30 to do some more Art of the Hero podcast. Or stream, I don't know why I call it a podcast. I'm getting tired, I'm getting hungry. It's okay, it was... dude. Yeah. Shut up, Cross. It's one of those days. We will see you all later this week. Take care, and remember, it is a good week to be a geek. We'll see you all soon. Hey, guys. And ladies. Oh. 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 Oh